Even the best fall down <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, keep it 100. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Howie Day. And this is Mad. Uh, about. Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? Showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Every week, we talk movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and break down a chosen movie of the week. Don't worry if you haven't seen that movie, because we will warn you before we head into spoilers. And remember to stay tuned till the end for weekly recommends, in which we each suggest something that you need to check out as soon as possible. And also remember, you can find all of our episodes online on iTunes and at our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what? Brian Gill. This week you're getting a special treat, dear listener. Uh, instead of doing a chosen movie of the week, we are going to break down, all three of us, our ten favorite movies of all time. Yeah! Boom. This is a long time. We did time. it, guys. It's a long time coming. This is exciting. The Celebrate good times. over. We no longer <laughs> owe any more episodes to the court. <laughs> and we are free men. Yeah. We are. This is our 100th episode, boys. 100. It's hard to believe that we made it this far. I know. I, I hate both of you, and we've done 100 episodes I know. It's, it's pretty unbearable every week. I yeah. swore I would quit after four. <laughs> uh, here we are 96 episodes later still doing yeah. this every single week. Look, uh, the money people, keeps us together. It people does. don't know that, uh, you know, with our production staff, and I mean, it's... It's not a good scene backstage here at Mad About Movies. Like we, I think we could be honest since it is the hundredth episode. We don't get along. Um, we don't enjoy each other. Or see, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Any value in each other? No. Right. So I mean, it's really. I mean, when you put it in that sort of context, it really is more impressive. I think. Yeah. So congrats. Richard talks to my wife more than he talks to me mm-hmm. or Kent combined. So a lot of people say that. Up. It's yeah. like if fair. If Jeremy Piven joined Simon and Garfunkel, it's just yeah. the most unpleasant threesome of people that just don't couldn't get along if we tried and just Mariah Carey's also involved. She is, yeah. It's just Ugh. it's really awkward most of the time. But man, it's been a great run so far. Yeah, it's been a fantastic time seeing all these movies, breaking down all these movies with you guys. Uh, two years running now. And uh, 100 episodes in, and it, it just feels like we've we've been doing it for longer than that. I mean, it's been it feels like 10 years, but uh, 100 episodes is is quite an achievement for a podcast. And hopefully, we'll make it to 200, and uh, and that'll be a good time too. And in all seriousness, thank you you guys for for doing this with me, um, and th- and thank you to everyone that downloads and, and listens and emails and tweets and all that fun stuff. Uh, it's it's truly a pleasure, and uh, I, I mean, I think it's known that podcasting pays really well, um, yeah. but even if it didn't, we would, I'd like to think we'd still do this because of the joy, but luckily, you know, we don't have to imagine that. Right. Not only is it the 100th episode of Mad About Movies, but this week celebrates the 10-year anniversary of podcasting itself. Debuted wow. back in 2004 on Apple iTunes wow. and on the iPod. One of the most important things to ever happen to me. My life changed seriously so much for the better. I'm not even kidding. Even if I didn't host a show, 
just so the probably the thing the the media I ingest the most is, is podcasts. So uh, big can't imagine doing like chores or menial things without podcasts. I honestly yes. can't imagine it. So seriously, uh, like, can you? Okay, I worked at Six Flags for two summers when I was a, a teenager. And we would – I ran like the concession stands and stuff. And we would fight over this one particular Dippin' Dot stand, A, because it was the ice cream of the future. It is the ice cream of the future. Part of something. But, that but future B, is still 100 years – a couple yeah, hundred years off. Look, you know that. look, I was in the ground floor and, and <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm good with that. But this one stand had a radio in it. And so you could – I could listen to the ticket during my day. And Explain it, you know, what I, the ticket is. The ticket the- is – the, it is a sports radio station in Dallas, Fort Worth, and it's 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 very good and not unbearable like most sports talk is. One hundo, um, one hundo, keep it in one hundo. Yeah, but you know, I think about that, and it's like all of the jobs that uh, you know teenagers have to take these days. They've got to be some or doing chores, like you said, Richard. All these different things have got to be so much better just thanks to the podcast. So I'm glad we can contribute a very very small part to uh, to that legacy because so- man, life is so much bearable. So much more bearable, excuse me. You could tweet or email us, you know, either of our Twitter handles, which we are on our website at madaboutmovies.com, or you can just email us at the website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com, right? That's it? Right. Right. Correct. Uh, podcast.com rather. Uh, What is the weirdest thing you have done while listening to our show? Nice. Wow. I'd like to know these things. Email us or tweet us the weirdest thing you've done while listening to our show. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is a good idea. Please do that. That that would be that would be very fun to know. I don't. I think this might be a good opportunity, guys, just to sort of talk about the history of this show. Sure. Okay. A lot of people probably don't know how this got started, how we all met, and, and things like that. So I, I think I should just break down a it little bit a of it for S&M you. S and M dungeon. It was. <laughs> and it, was a, it started off on Craigslist casual encounters. Uh, <laughs> Weird, uh, you know, casual podcast encounter. You know, it had the word podcast in there. A very so. specific. Immediate fetish. attraction, yeah. But no, seriously, Richard and I, this started a long time ago in high school. Richard and I uh, started, Richard's a year older than me, grade-wise. But we went to a very small private school here in, in Dallas-Fort Worth, and, and we had a, a couple classes together that uh, had, you know, multiple grades in them. Richard because and I... Kent became, was smart and I was... Because I was, yeah. And... You know, Richard and I immediately hit it off humor-wise. We would just uh, goof off about the most uh, random things. I think our first common interest was either Rookie of the Year or David Letterman. So <laughs> Or prank phone calls. And I'm getting there. Okay. And so Richard and I, we always talked about doing a radio show in high school. We always pretended to be radio hosts as this bit during uh, free time in class. We would prank call people. Mainly, we would go to the snack machine and purchase Cheetos, Doritos, or Pepsi or something like that. Actually, it was Coca-Cola Classic. I don't know why I said Pepsi. It's on, it's on the mind. Yeah. <laughs> we would always look up the phone numbers on the back of these <laughs> back of these products, call this 1-800-CUSTOMER-SERVICE phone number, and just prank call them in the middle of class. Richard and I would pretend to be radio hosts doing this. Uh, Wacky Wednesday, I think, was the name of the show we were doing, even though <laughs> it was on random days of the week. It was never on Wednesday. <laughs> So we would call them and be like, hey, this is Wacky Wednesday, and we would ask them trivia questions and stuff like that, and the whole class would be listening, and uh, and it was always a dream of ours to do 
a real radio show someday. It was it was something that we really had fun doing back in high school, pretending to do before podcasting was even a thing. And uh, and so so when I got to college, I got an opportunity to host my own show on the local campus radio uh, at TCU, KTCU, the home of the Horn Frogs, and immediately thought of Richard. And we had uh, that, not talked much in the not in, at all. I mean, we in kept years. in contact probably you know a couple times. Every couple yeah. months, we would talk uh, Facebook, things like that. But uh, our paths went pretty much separate ways for a long time. Uh, you know, four or five years after high school, we reconvened, and, and I got the opportunity to do that show. Most people were doing, you know, music shows, uh, throwback shows where they would play 90s music and stuff. I was the only one on the station that wanted to do a talk show. And I called Richard up and said, you know, I've got this show. Let's do it together. We've always talked about doing radio. I know, you know, him and I would hit it off great on the air together. We have great chemistry as radio host and friends. So I immediately, you know, hit up Richard and, and we did our show on KTCU for about a year, the Kenton Richard show. We had a great time with, you know, inviting fellow friends, former teachers on the air <laughs> and uh, and just goofing off for three hours. It was a 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. shift. So it was prime time on the Friday night. So it was it was, you know, the witching hour of Friday when almost nobody was listening and we had, and I've got all those shows archived sometime. So uh, eventually those will see the light of day on the internet, but had a fantastic time doing that. Uh, eventually that led Richard to bring Brian Gill as a guest of the Kenton Richard show one time. And uh, Richard was like, Hey, my friend Brian's going to come. He's really into movies. Uh, we should have him on and talk about movies. So, okay, that sounds great. Um, Brian came on one time, guested, and we talked about movies for, you know, a couple hours that night. And, one time Richard wasn't able to make it. Brian Gill uh, filled in for Richard as the permanent co-host, and, and, Richard, and Brian and I talked movies for, for three straight hours. Yeah, and couldn't, and couldn't talk afterwards. We talked right, so much. and and in between breaks, uh, Brian and I just kicked around the idea. Richard and I had been talking about, you know, how can we get this Kit and Richard show on the internet? But it was such a generic show. It was about everything. It was about sports, technology, movies, entertainment, pop culture, everything. And so we didn't really find a niche, but when I mean, Brian, there was only an hour per show dedicated to Now You See Me. Right. I mean, nobody would <laughs> so, listen to only an hour yeah, per week no, of need, that. I mean, otherwise it just gets lost. Exactly. In the noise. Yeah. And and so when when Brian came along, that's when I realized, okay, we could do a podcast about movies because a we all can talk about movies, and we've we've all grown up and loved movies, and b there's a different movie every week. Their movies come out every single week. And there's always something to talk about. There's yeah. there's never going to come a time in the foreseeable future where movies don't aren't a thing. So, <laughs> except for this week. <laughs> except for this week. No, there are movies out, but they're just really not <laughs> worth our time. So not only you know do we talk about new movies, which you know usually we talk about the most popular movie of the week, but we do like to throw it back to movies of the past and talk about movie industry in general and things like that. So here we are. Uh, the Mad About Movies podcast officially kicked off in uh, the beginning of 2013. Here we are, uh, episode 100, and it's been a great ride. And I just want to say thanks to you guys for your commitment. Thanks to the listener for their commitment. It's been a fantastic growth for us. We've seen uh, you know huge numbers in the past, especially year. Uh, we're featured on the front page of iTunes uh, with some of our favorite podcasts like the the Grantland podcast and NPR and things like that. So truly a huge honor, and it's been a, 
a you know fantastic time so far, and I'm looking forward to uh, 100 more episodes uh, with you guys, and then and we're I'll, calling it quits. So. Yep, exactly. Then we're never speaking again. And nice. Brian, I, I know I speak for you when I say this. People that don't know, kind of backstage, uh, it's a little inside baseball on how this podcast works. But uh, Brian and I uh, talk and, and, and mumble and, and make bad jokes uh, <laughs> about movies and everything else, and Kent does everything yes. else. Yes. He edits and he puts together and he produces and he does. Um, he's a, a freaking wizard when it comes to these things. So, uh, you know, it, it's one of these things where it, the good part is you get to share a lot of credit uh, when you do this type of thing. And, and that's all all dandy. But uh, Brian and I both know, even though Kent would never admit it and I won't make you uh, that, you know, this show does not exist yeah. uh, without Kent. And it would definitely exist without either of us. So, <laughs> yes. um, Otherwise, both it's of just us. Richard and I texting each other inappropriate <laughs> jokes. That's that's the extent of what exactly. this uh, quote unquote podcast would be. So, sans Kent, so. <laughs> so it would just be silence and uh, us. You would hear us like, "Is it, do I?" Yeah, no, uh, two and a half hours. Um, but uh, Brian, thank you for doing this with me. But Kent, most of all, thank you for putting yeah. this together every week yeah. and uh, your unlimited patience and and, and most of all, talent at yeah. this. He's a he's a wizard. So uh, thank uh, you. Should, yeah. I appreciate say. that. I do, I really do. I really enjoy doing this. Um, putting it together every week is such a joy. Uh, listening to to us is 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 hilarious. Just um, some of the stuff we say that doesn't make the show that I ended up cutting <laughs> out is just if people only great. knew if people because. only knew those. Uh, if only yeah, we had let's... didn't have morals and, and values. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, yeah, speak I, for yourself. I, I would definitely not have a job without kids. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I want to second what Richard said earlier that, um, I mean, if podcasting wasn't my job, I would still be doing it. It's seriously, it's become a huge passion of mine. I just enjoy doing it every week and, and spending time with you guys uh, talking about movies. It's been great. And once again, thanks to the listener, most of all, for making this uh, worthwhile. So before we talk about our most anticipated lists of our top 10 movies of all time, and I feel like I should disclaimer right now before we get into this that this I've is our – a couple disclaimers myself. Yeah, so. this is – let's get – this is a disclaimer talk before we get into things here. Um, Graphic nudity. We, oh, different. Oh, my bad. Okay. We – this is our favorite movies. It's a, yeah. it's a completely different – list than the top 10 best movies of all time. My list would probably be 10 different movies than are on my top 10 favorites. Uh, this is personal favorites. These are movies that we've either grown up on or come to love over the years that have influenced us, uh, you know, movies that we can connect with people about and things like that. So uh, I just wanted to set that disclaimer before we get started and, and for people not to think that, oh, you you thought this blah, blah, blah was your number three movie of all is the number three movie of all time. No, it's our number three favorite movie right. of all time. It's a very different thing. So before we get into this, uh, there's no movie news rumors, rumblings for this week, but I, I do want to say that on our website, I've posted my uh, annual uh, best picture predictions list that I, I did publish last year and, and did quite well in that. So I want to announce my, my, Predictions for Best Picture for this year. Uh, once again, I, I haven't seen uh, any of these movies except for two that I did see that came out uh, in the spring and one came out in the summer. So that's Boyhood and Draft Day, right? It is Boyhood and Draft Day. You are <laughs> okay. correct. And uh, RoboCop 2 for Best Visual. Uh, <laughs> visual Cinematography, actually, I should say. No, uh, so there are a couple honorable mentions here. And once again, this is if 
the Academy picks 10 movies. You know, every year it seems to be different. Last year it was nine. The year before it was 10. Uh, it's a max of 10 and no less than five usually every year for best picture. So honorable mentions this year for me, it's tricky. Um, this movie got pushed back to Christmas or it, it was announced that it's going to be released in Christmas. It's uh, American Sniper, the mm. story of Chris Kyle, uh, played by Bradley Cooper. Uh, it was going to be a Spielberg project, but Clint Eastwood is doing it now. And mm. uh, it, it it got a an Oscar uh, push from the studio for this year, so that's a good Jeez. sign. So uh, I know how the story ended, and having said that, I think uh, it's a story worthy of a uh, Best Picture quality film. And I am sure it'll be a fantastic performance from Mr. Cooper. So that's until, an honorable mention. That's until a dark Jesse horse. Ventura comes and sues his Oscar away. <laughs> exactly right. Um, the next honorable mention I have too is Big Eyes, the Tim Burton film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been getting a lot of positive feedback. It's not a typical Burton type of movie. Uh, it stars Amy Adams and Christoph Waltz. So, and uh, Johnny Depp is not in it wearing white face paint. That I know of, but yeah. uh, it's a Burton film, so I'm sure it'll be in there somewhere. Helena Bottom Carter has to make an appearance as well. Yeah. But, I think Johnny Depp is actually playing Amy Adams oh, in white okay. face paint. Yeah, okay. So. Right. That explains it. So here are my nominees, and this is in alphabetical order. And then, guys, this is a great list. I'm very excited for Oscar season. This is a strong year. It was really hard for me to narrow it down to 10. And there's there's plenty that that could be worthy of an Oscar this year. So uh, so here we go. Best Picture nominees uh, are my predictions. I haven't seen any of these except for two. Birdman, starring Michael Keaton, getting fantastic uh, buzz. Chris Boy, Anderson biopic, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Anderson from the Heat biopic. You're right. Yeah. Boyhood, which I think is is the front runner at this point in time. Totally. Bennett Miller's Foxcatcher. Ooh, so excited for that one. Uh, Fury, the Brad Pitt war movie, uh, written and directed by David Ayer. Uh, there's always, uh, those types of films always seem to do well with the Academy. Um, David Fincher's Gone Girl, uh, starring Ben Affleck, which is based on a novel, which comes out, uh, the, the movie comes out, uh, this fall. The Grand Budapest Hotel, Wes Anderson's film that I have seen and which came out this past spring, which... Uh, along with Boyhood, I would say is the best movie of the year so far. Inherent Vice, Paul Thomas Anderson's film with mm. Joaquin Phoenix. Richard is nerding out like crazy uh, over that film and uh, has read the book, and we're all really excited to see that. I don't think that I think that that will not win because uh, people will not understand it. Uh, typical mm-hmm. PTA, but it'll be fantastically shot and with great performances. You know, usual. I will say though, if 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 it ever is. If he's ever going to make a movie that kind of the masses understand, this will be it. Because the book, and it's weird because it's Pinchon, and Pinchon's uh, even more hard to stand understand than PTA. But this book is is it's really just like a, it's kind of like Big Lebowski. It's really just kind of a surfer stoner solving a mystery. Um, so if he's ever going to have one with mass kind of appeal, this uh-huh. will be it. Sweet, Interstellar next on the list. I think this will be sort of the gravity of this year. Mm-hmm. It'll win all the technical awards. It'll be highly praised. I'm hearing news that it's Christopher Nolan's best film, people are saying, and I'm very excited to see that. He hasn't given a lot away in the trailers, but I'm I'm just very excited to go to the IMAX uh, opening of Interstellar. I think it'll get a Best Picture nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last two on my list is Unbroken, Angelina Jolie's directorial 
effort uh, based on the book Unbroken on the light based on the life of Louis Zamperini, the former uh, Olympic runner and uh, war hero and p- prisoner of war. If you've read the book, it's just a fantastic read. I'm uh, a little bit halfway through right now, and uh, it's a story worthy of a best picture quality film. It's got the Coen brothers doing the uh, screenplay, and it's got Roger Deakins doing the cinematography. So it'll be well shot and well written. Whether it's a good movie uh, remains to be seen. But at this point in time, best picture nominee uh, prediction. My last prediction for best picture is Wild, the Mm -hmm. Jean-Marc Vallée uh, starring Reese Witherspoon movie. And it's about uh, a chronicle of a woman's 1,000-mile solo hike after she goes through personal struggles. And it's another book that's highly praised. And I'm sure Reese Witherspoon will be all the talk uh, when Best Actress awards come out. Uh, hopefully, Eat, pray, hike. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's supposed to be quite the, uh, quite like the twenty hundred twenty seven hours, uh, but with Reese Witherspoon, and hopefully her arm need, doesn't get cut we off. We need that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you know, you never know. Maybe it. Some hopefully it does because yeah. I find her annoying. So yep. she yeah. could yep. she could use a lost uh, limb, and I would be yeah. okay with it. Maybe she'll cut her forehead. Wouldn't off. make her lint any uh, less attractive to me, but she is attractive, but. <laughs> When she opens her mouth, just stop. I can't believe she's won Best Actress before. I thought that Walk the Line performance was truly bad. I I, I don't know if I've ever said that on the show, but uh, her her accent was just a cringe in that in that movie, in my opinion. But so high hopes for this year's Oscar season. Those are my predictions. You can find them on our website uh, at any time, and I'll update those when the official announcements come out. I think I got. Um, the majority of them last year, I think I got six out of nine uh, correct. So uh, pretty good run last year and hopefully a good run this year. So guys, without further ado, let's talk our top ten favorite movies of all time. And the way this is going to go, we each have honorable mentions, which we will talk about first, and then we will talk number ten of each of ours and number nine of each of ours and uh, and so on and so on. So Brian Gill, why don't you yes. kick us off with Ugh. your honorable mentions okay i need to disclaim again i reiterate favorite list not not best movies of all time list but also i consider i consider franchises that are actually designed as one story to be a movie so like uh as as you'll see there are a couple of maybe three spots in my top 10 where uh it's it's breaking yeah yeah like the twilight movies are all one story told over the course of four films i have a lot of qualifications for that because i in my weird brain have to have rules even if nobody is holding me (laughs) to those rules but uh but yeah if, if it's all one story being told from start to finish and all the movies like pretty much stack up as far as like quality pictures and whatnot then i will count it all as one thing so that's just be be ready for that in the uh in the offing all right i'm gonna give you my my honorable mentions um and it's so diff this was so difficult did you guys have trouble with this because i i agonized you know what i did i only had trouble rearranging my top 10 i think my top 10 was pretty solid but ordering them was what was tough for me Uh, a lot of them made their way into my top 10 and i pushed them down to honorable mentions but uh i had a list in mind the entire time it really didn't change much 
But uh, if you're going to go on the record with something, I want yeah. it to be right. So. Exactly. I just, I, I went over and over in this because there, like there are movies that two weeks ago I would have, I would have told you, oh yeah, that's one of my ten favorite movies of all time. That probably didn't make like the top thirty when yeah. I was done. Like when I was, how many did you make? How many? What was point. your list? Was it a top thirty um, and then you narrowed it down, or what? I. I started with with like trying to like make an entire list of of movies, and I just went based on like all the movies that I own because I figure yeah. if I don't own it, then I I because I own a lot. I have like I don't know. I think I counted. I have like three hundred and sixty movies or something like Jeez. that on on DVD or Blu Ray, and so um, I just because I I am a a movie purchaser, so I assumed if I did not buy it, I I it's not going to be in my you know in my my top whatever list. So I didn't really consider those that just became too time consuming. So on Monday I sat down in front of my DVD collection and just started, okay, would this be in consideration? Yes. And I had 62 movies to start and then I cut it down from there. Wow. So I, my, my top seven is pretty, pretty static. Like I feel like when I, you know, I was like, okay, these movies are definitely in my, in my top 10, no question. And then like, Maybe like sixteen through eight were. That's where I like really agonized. Like I had a lot of trouble deciding which ones to cut yeah. out. So okay. Anyway, uh, I'll give you three honorable mentions. Um, one is uh, is called The Sting. It won Best Picture back in nineteen seventy three. Uh, Robert Redford, Paul Newman. It's a fantastic film. If you guys have never seen it, uh, George Orwell Hill directed it. It's about a it's about a con, and it's one of the best con movies uh, of all time. I haven't watched it in a few years because I've been waiting. Like my, this one that I want my wife and my friends to see, and we've never gotten around to it. But uh, it's it's a it's a fantastic fantastic film. Could not recommend that high enough. If, Brian, you're not going to have any issues with my list then. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good deal. I'm excited. Um, I also would put in my honorable mentions Heat, the Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Michael Mann film. Yeah. Um, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. You have to mention. American Treasure, Val Kilmer. Sorry. Contractually obligated to mention all American Treasures. Really great movie. And I think one that has kind of like defined that genre over the last 20 years. Like I think most, a lot of films that fall into the, the crime thriller sort of, uh, sort of genre are trying to replicate, uh, heat and, and not succeeding. So great, great film. Um, my last honorable mention was like, I couldn't sleep a night or two ago because I like not having it in my top 10 was very difficult for me. And I, I, almost regret not putting it there as we speak but number 11 if i was making a top whatever list uh would be et uh steven spielberg's classic alien film that i loved so much as a child and as an adult and keeping it out is is proving quite painful for me physically now um is this the only is this the only spielberg film no, no, okay, no. There, okay. I, there are a couple of Spielberg entries in my top ten, and I will say, I think I considered, I would say I considered no less than six Spielberg films for the top, yeah, the top ten, uh, top ten. And I would um, look. I've got twenty five written out in front of me, so I think there are five Spielberg films in my top twenty five. Really strong honorable mentions. Tough, man. Tough tough. to keep those out. It Hmm. is. It really is tough. And I can already tell 
by your honorable mentions that this is going to be a great episode because we're going to have very vastly different lists. Good. Which is good. Yeah, that makes it for fun, a fun thing, and we get to highlight a lot of different films. So that's great. Right. Richard, honorable mentions. Mm. Yeah, I've got uh, a couple here. I've got a Spielberg first uh, movie uh, that I loved so much in high school. It kind of was a movie that changed a lot of things in terms of how I kind of watch movies where I was kind of almost exclusively – I was comedy exclusive almost until uh, until this movie. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a movie called Catch Me If You Can as an honorable mention. Oh, yeah. Great movie. And – uh, my other honorable mention is a is a Wes Anderson movie called The Royal Tenenbaums, which also was very, you know, both of those movies are didn't make the top ten because they're not, you know, they're not movies I think of now as my favorites, but they were just so formative in, in terms of like I watched movies that I have to at least have them kind of close on the list if that makes sense. Um, they're like they're seminal to me. Royal Tenenbaums is you know a uh, really incredibly well written family dramedy uh, with some just killer performances, first of all, by, by Gene Hackman, but uh, Owen Wilson, Ben Stiller as, as well, um, and, and the whole cast. So uh, uh, Royal Tenenbaums is, is definitely uh, it, it, you know, a certain kind of intelligence to the humor uh, that was new to me at the time. Certainly uh, wasn't new to the world, but uh, was new to me, and I am the world to me. Two, I only have two honorable mentions there. Okay. Ken, what, what, what about you, man? Yeah, <clears throat> so I have multiple. Actually, technically, if you want to get technical here, seven honorable mentions. <laughs> this is technicality, though. I'll explain. That's not the can I know. I'll explain it in a second. So, <laughs> unlike Brian, I didn't really include trilogies in my top ten. Okay. Uh, just because I, I did include one f- movie of a trilogy, but it speaks for itself, which I'll explain later. But um, it was too hard for me to narrow down trilogies. If I did, I would include, like, say, number eight would be an entire trilogy because sure. um, without one movie, you really don't have the other films. So uh, my honorable mentions include The Lord of the Rings, one, two, and three. The, my second favorite trilogy of all time, just uh, a fantastic uh, set of films. Uh, you know, they won every Oscar that you could win. Uh, they've made all the amount of money that you could make. Just Probably the best trilogy of the past 20 years, I would say. Uh, I haven't seen Harry Potter once again, so don't uh, count me on don't don't quote me on that. But it's my favorite. Uh, it's so intelligent, is what I like about it, and it's not just popcorn fun. Uh, it is really, really well written. Uh, it feels like it's been uh, something that could come out, you know, anytime over the past hundred years and be successful and great and loved by everyone. So, if I was to name one of those films as my favorite, it would be The Return of the King. Um, but I did uh, really enjoy all of them. I remember seeing Fellowship in the theater and just being blown away by that. And uh, and and what more can be said about about Peter Jackson's uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy? I I do have another trilogy in here. One and two of the Back to the Future series. What did make my honorable mentions hugely influential in my life? Uh, almost timeless now. It's amazing how well they've held up, except for parts of Back to the Future two where they predict the future. It's fun to go back and watch and see what people thought it was going to be like in 2015. Uh, yeah. But we still have a year. We still have six months. <laughs> so, Hoverboards. Fingers hoverboard. crossed. And they make 18 more Jaws films uh, or whatever <laughs> in the next in the next year. I don't know. They need to make like 15 more or something. Yeah. But so one and two uh, are, are in my honorable mentions. I probably like two better just because it's a more ambitious movie. It, it goes back into the original film, which I thought was a stroke of genius. 
And I really did enjoy the future stuff uh, with Marty. I think that that was a really, really cool sequence. So Back to the Future 1 and 2 also make my honorable mentions a a Robert Zemeckis uh, production, Back to the Future. I also want to mention in my honorable mentions The Truman Show. This one narrowly missed my top 10. You know, Jim Carrey's best performance, in my opinion, my favorite performance of his. I went to uh, to Seaside, Florida this past summer and, and vacation there, which is where they shot the movie. And that led me to go back and, and watch it when I got home and, and really enjoyed doing that. It's one that I own on Blu-ray, and it's one that every time I watch it, I'm like, this is, a, this is up there. You know, I think Roger Ebert had the quote, and he said, you know, every great film should seem new every time you see it. And I think that's just a fantastic quote, and that really applies to The Truman Show for me. Mm-hmm. Every time I see it, it feels like the first time. And I always forget how great of a performance and great of a production The Truman Show is, and, and just a fantastic screenplay as well. I suggest reading the screenplay by itself if you're into that sort of thing. It's, it's very well written. Plus uh, Sergeant Stan Beeman. You're right, from uh, The Americans. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Noah Emmerich makes it a an appearance in it. It's a great movie. The scene where Truman sort of like first becomes aware that he's in a TV show. I don't know if there's a better sequence from the nineties than, than that, you know, like when he's stopping traffic and everything and, uh, and first becomes aware and, and, you know, finds the, the cameras and everything. I, I, that's just so, so well done. And Carrie just plays it perfectly. What are y'all's thoughts on the Truman show? I don't think we ever really talked about, I love it and just watched it uh, late last year for the first time in probably 10 or 12 years. Great movie. Um, You know, like kids, you know, I was uh, I was born in 86. So I was like eight when Jim Carrey broke out. So I am Mm -hmm. right in the Jim Carrey wheelhouse. Um, And I remember Truman Show being especially wonderful because it was like this odd validation of, uh, you know, an actor that we all loved so much as children to like our adults. Like, you see, he is talented. He doesn't just talk out of his butt. Um, (laughs) Or come out of rhino's butts. But it is. And it's just like culturally, just speaking historically, like so on the nose with so many things that are predicted in terms of like reality culture and and things like that uh, from a screenplay point of view. Uh, And that is like Truman Show is still such a part of the zeitgeist. Like you still – that kind of – you know, the phenomenon of the narcissistic phenomenon of thinking your your world is a TV show now is like constantly within the context of that movie now. It's like a it's really like – It's a real people, psychological condition called Truman Syndrome. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a movie that you could almost say definitively it's going to be that thing where um, – to, to be Stefan for a second. But that thing where our grandkids know the phrase Truman Show but probably won't know what it means but will know – that it means you think your life is a TV show. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah. they won't know the origin, but they'll know that concept. Like, I think that will, you know, so how many movies can do that? It's an awesome sure. movie. It's great. It's entertaining, too. That was awesome. the one that um, narrowly missed my top 10. That's the one that got pushed out at the last minute uh, for me. It was in consideration for mine as well. It's, it's greatness. And I suggest buying it on Blu ray. It looks fantastic in, on Blu ray. And my last honorable mention, and this one is sort of a dark horse. It's probably one that you guys don't have on, but it's a movie I grew up on. Um, it's a movie that when it comes on the the TV and, and this is to be said for all my top 10, if, it, if it's on TV, I'm watching it. I'll at any part, you know, I'll, if I see it on the guide, I'll, I'll, I'll sit there and I, I just can't look away. I don't know why, 
uh, visceral satisfaction I get from it. Um, Apocalypto. <laughs> Apocalypto. No, it's actually Schindler's List. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Gosh, <laughs> no, that's in my top ten. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate oh, Factory. Nice. Um, yeah, I mention. love that movie more than any movie now, considering my my week last week. Really? What happened? I won $5,000 on a Willy Wonka slot machine. Oh, was it Willy Wonka? <laughs> it was a, I rode the golden elevator to the top, and, and that's how – it was a Willy Wonka-themed slot machine. So now wow. it's my favorite movie of all time. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. So yeah. 1971's Willy Wonka mm-hmm. and the Chocolate Factory. Totally. I reiterate uh, that it's not the Tim Burton one called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, the which is in was, your top ten, I'm sure. That's, which is in its far top five, actually. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gene Wilder. Uh, oh, plays Willy Wonka. Um, Roald Dahl did the screenplay too, and also wrote the book. You know, I don't on. think I knew that. Yeah, that's interesting. It I is, don't think I knew that. Right, that's awesome. Uh, Mel Stewart, the director, and it's just one that I mean, I love. I really do like musicals. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to shy away sure. about that. I think there's a place in Hollywood for musicals. It's my favorite. I just every time the the opening sequence comes on when they are in the candy store. I'm just I'm just hooked and and it's just full of just memorable moments and iconic scenes. Uh, so Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is just an all time favorite for me. Once again, not one of the best movies of all time. I mean, you could make an argument for that, I guess. Nothing um, wrong with but that. But the production value was fantastic for 1971. The sets were huge. Um, the story is great. The ending always gets me every time. The uh, I'm not okay. Spoiler alert for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, but he's brutally murdered by Oompa Loompas. Uh, when Willy Wonka says, uh, "Charlie, do you know what happened to the boy who got everything he ever wanted?" and he goes, "What? He lived happily ever after." And that's the end of the movie. It's just the perfect ending. Great movie, great musical, great songs, and great, uh, great all around. So you know, my Corey last Feldman has something to say about that. But uh... <laughs> you're right. He does. <laughs> Timely joke, Richard. Timely. Yeah, I, was, I couldn't decide between him and Leif Garrett, but I thought more people would know the Feldman joke. Right. So, yeah, those are my honorable mentions. And uh, those, you know, could have been in my top 10 if it wasn't for my top 10. So, let's get into it here, guys. Top 10 movies of all time. Brian, kick us off with your number 10. All right, my number 10 is an animated film, uh, and it is uh, it's totally groundbreaking. It would also – this is one of the few that's on this list that, that would have a place – like if we were going to make a top, say, 50 or 100 movies of all time, this would – I think this movie would have a place. So uh, I'm going to go with 1995's Toy Story, the first Pixar film. Wow. That's uh, really – obviously, it changed the game for animation. Um I love the Toy Story series. I, I I watched all three of them like really recently, like maybe two weeks ago. Um, they hold up so well. Uh, the animation is amazing. The I mean, Tom Hanks is great. Tim Allen's great. All the characters that they have in, in the in the film are awesome. Um, and it's one of those that like I I can't I kind of can't wait to to share with my kid when he's a little bit older and can understand like how good it is and and be. Like more interested than twelve seconds, which is what his attention span is right now. So, Toy Story, right. Hamilton. Wow, cool, really good, uh, good choice there. Yeah, I've got kind animated. of a, str- I've got a diverse list. That that's the only animated film that's, uh, it, that that was hard to like. That one rose up the ranks as I was making my list. It was not in my consideration at first, and it kept climbing. So, 
Yeah. Richard, what's your number 10? Number 10 is a movie, a, a comedy that came out, I believe, in 06 or 07. And uh, it was a movie that kind of blew my mind in a, in a, in a few ways because it was, it was the first movie uh, that kind of um, encapsul- encapsulated how my friends and I talk. Not necessarily as foul as as this movie because it's very foul, but the the rhythm and cadence and there's a certain pop culture literacy to this film that I'd never seen before in a movie, and it's super bad. Super bad is number ten. Wow, nice. um, yeah, because it was just the script was just I it was my friends in high school and that's just how we talked to each other and it was constant. Um, it wasn't as funny or as crass, but it was just that rhythm and the way you know. Have you ever looked into his eyes like the first time I heard the Beatles and things like that? It's just like. It was like watching scenes from my adolescence in front of me as I had just left adolescence. I think I was probably 20 when it came out. So yeah. like uh, in, a way, it, in a very similar way, uh, boyhood affected me. <laughs> this is <laughs> weird. Uh, Superbad did as well. And I think Hill and Sarah, I, I understand they, they, they can't really make a sequel to Superbad nor would I want them to. But I don't understand why they can't uh, – be a comedy team in just every a movie every two years because those two rhythms together are unbelievable and and can't Hill and Tatum are great but I think Hill and Sarah are on a, a whole different level so uh, so super bad is my number ten wow great great movie I wouldn't that's one that I probably should have put on my list but didn't there's <laughs> yeah, too many too a, many great that, ones that's a great movie it's not one that I personally would you know I don't love 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 the way you do Richard but you're totally right like. Having when I came out of that movie, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that truly caught the way in which young and I was I was older than you guys. I was like probably twenty four, twenty five mm-hmm. when that came out. But um, it's very rare that you you see a movie that seems it, it really does know how teenagers talk to each other. Yes, and and does that and it's it, there's no there, there's a it's completely authentic and that was I mean that's what super bad is for there's sure. Just- there's yeah the, the the ability they have to like you know like I said re- the literacy they have of pop culture in that movie is incredible but the way that they bust on each other and immediately move on and no one's feelings are hurt and it's just like it really captures a male dynamic <laughs> that is uh at, to that now is t- completely overdone yeah. uh, but at that time was really underdone that they can say things like uh, I'm trying to think of anything that's appropriate to say on this podcast. <laughs> nope, can't th- can't think of anything. The, you know they can kind of blast each other and neither character reacts. No one gets upset. No one does a spit take. Um, it's just on to the next sentence. And that's how 18-year-old guys talk to each other. I mean, that's just what it is. Uh, it's a really authentic movie in that way. And, and also really, really, really funny. They, I heard, they wrote that script for like 10 years or something. Yeah. yeah. And it, you can tell. Every oh, scene totally. is hilarious. Uh, you know, they really wanted to make it And it, it gets fantastic. some – crap for being derivative of you know teen comedies in the 80s and really other from the fact that they're in high school i don't understand where that comes from yeah you're right and uh great buddy cop also yes uh if if bill Hader and seth rogan could be a comedy duo that would be great too <laughs> it's a testament to yeah. hill and sarah to me that those two that Hader and, and rogan are in that film and totally crush it and they're still second banana yeah that's how good the other two are. <laughs> yeah. And that's one that I would like to see a sequel to if any of those films get sequels. Yeah. Great, great pick. My number 10 is a Wes Anderson film. And I'm surprised, Richard, that Royal Tenenbaums wasn't in your top 10. I thought I that would have been in your top five for sure it, with it was, how much you it adore hard, it. That was my E.T. It was hard to, hard to leave it <laughs> off, but I just couldn't, couldn't yeah. do it. 
I'm going to go with number 10, Rushmore, which mm-hmm. is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Uh, it, it speaks like Superbad does to adolescent times and mm-hmm. um, the coming out party of Mr. Jason Schwartzman. He, uh, Mr. Anderson uh, introduced the world uh, to Jason Schwartzman with that movie. Bill Murray also in it. And it's just one that every time I I go back and watch, I just realize it's it's significance, it's brilliance. It's probably the least Wes Anderson-y mm-hmm. movie. And that's yeah. what I like. It's so subtle in the in the film technique of Wes Anderson. It's it's the least obviously Wes Anderson, which is what I really like about it. But yeah, it's um, kind of like he made Tenenbaums. It was like I'm just going to do this. I mean, I, yeah, and I, I'm not complaining because I've I've loved a lot of films he's done since Tenenbaums. But you're right; it doesn't have that. It uh, has it has the the Wes Anderson signature stuff. The the title screens. It mm-hmm. has the. Uh, the overhead shots, it has the lateral tracking shots, but it's done so subtly that it's not so obvious, uh, like it is in Tenenbaums with the cutaway sets and stuff like that. But it's like he established his style with Rushmore, and then that style he's carried on up until now uh, with his latest film, Grand Budapest. So uh, Rushmore, my favorite Wes Anderson movie, and uh, my top ten favorite movie of all time. I know, Brian, it's probably your least favorite Wes Anderson movie. It is, but yeah. that's not to say it's it's not good or that I can't you know, completely understand why people love it. I, I do. I just, I think I saw it too late. I saw it after our maybe like up to, maybe even after Fantastic Mr. Fox. So you know, it was later in my Wes Anderson upbringing and it didn't resonate the same way with me. But you know, but that's not to say I don't think it's good or that it doesn't hold merit for sure. Right. Brian, move yep. on to your number nine. Number nine is the the only comedy that's on my list. And um, when I was a kid, I probably watched this movie more than any others except for except for Star Wars. And I it, it had a huge impact on my development as far as a sense of humor and just uh, – learning at a very early age to appreciate kind of off the wall comedy and very strange comedy. Um, and so my number nine film is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Nice. For a while there, I probably watched it once a week. I was in love with, with that film as a kid. And now it's not one that I pop in, you know, every month or every, maybe even every year. But when I do revisit it, it is, I get both the, I'm impressed with what they do because it's insane comedy. So when we talked about Robin Williams a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that one of my favorite things in a comedian is just a willingness to do whatever you're going to do. And if it bombs, it bombs and just who cares, I'm going to deal with it. Uh, That's what Monty Python did so well, in my opinion, was just throw crap out there. And there's so much of it from the shows and even in the movie that doesn't work, that doesn't stick, but uh, that never seemed to affect whether or not they were going to keep doing it. And uh, I greatly, greatly appreciate what that has brought into my life as far as just, you know, being able to be funny um, and and appreciate humor that's strange. So I'm not watching right. uh, Two and a Half Men every week, you know. <laughs> you don't? I mean, I watch it. But I don't love it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's that's another one. Thank I have a feeling every time everything y'all mention are gonna I'm gonna want to have to put on my list, but it's too late. <laughs> it's too late. Richard, any thoughts on Monty Python? Well, first I can cons- I consider John Cryer to be kind of the like sixth member, but um, <laughs> uh, you know what? That is one as big of a comedy nerd that I am. That is kind of my Rushmore. 
yeah. in that I just didn't have it growing up. And so the first time I saw it, I was like 17. And it's really funny and it's really good. But all of my friends, you know, it's so it's so much more important to them, like you. And I just yeah. can't get there with it. But I but I you know, obviously, I mean, and a lot of those guys, a lot of the other Python stuff is is so important to the history of comedy in general. It's 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 great. But I, I just I kind of got to it too late, kind of like you do with Rushmore. Sure. There's a uh, reunion happening. Yes, and a movie with and Simon a, Pegg. Yeah, Monty Python film, I think, coming out soon. Mm-hmm. So exciting, uh, exciting stuff for Monty Python fans. Richard, number nine. Number nine for me uh, is uh, a comedy. That uh, is, is one of my favorite kind of troops of comedians, a movie I've seen a ton. I act a little bit and, and, and both write and perform some comedy when I can. And uh, this movie's always kind of in the back of my brain uh, in terms of like when do you develop characters and how you commit to a character. And this is a film called Waiting for Guffman. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, Waiting for Guffman is, uh, is in there. Christopher Guest and his troop, Fred Willard. Oh, my goodness, Fred Willard. Eugene Levy. Catherine O'Hara, the whole group, I, I love them. They're kind of my Python, Brian. Sure. They yeah. were – I randomly had a, a VHS of Best in Show when I was 11. Mm-hmm. And so I just had – you know what I mean? Um, but that whole group is kind of my uh, – I, I, I think I showed those DVDs and VHSs to everyone I know of Guffman and, and Best in Show and Spinal Tap and all that stuff. So I, I, yeah. I just – and I think they're all favorites and Spinal Tap was – was close. I only wanted to choose one, but uh, Guffman is probably the one I've rewatched the most. And Christopher Guest in that movie, <laughs> Corky St. Clair is Gosh. just an incredible, incredible <laughs> commitment to character. And uh, there's so many jokes. You know, I've been watching that movie for you know 15 years now, and I and I watch it a lot, and I still find jokes that I didn't even catch uh, mm-hmm. anytime because it's so subtle and brilliant. So uh, waiting for Guffman. Awesome. My number nine is also a uh, a comedy. So. You know, great minds think alike there. <laughs> this one, hugely formative on me as a youth. Uh, it was one that I thought would be a sign of things to come for this director. Uh, unfortunately, that hasn't been the case uh, up to this point. But no one can deny the entertainment value of this film. Uh, I said I was a fan of musicals. This could technically be qualified as a musical. And... I want to uh, officially bring to the table as my number nine favorite favorite movie of all time, 1996's That Thing You Do. Mm. Oh, yeah. Directed by one Mr. American Treasure, Tom Hanks, and starring American Treasure, Tom Hanks. Uh, a movie about a, a band for in the 60s, uh, obviously a you know uh, satire for the Beatles, but uh, they were one-hit wonders, and they were called The Wonders, and uh, just... There's nothing more entertaining than this movie, uh, in my opinion. It's just uh, every time it comes on, I, I have to watch it. All the yeah. scenes are memorable. All the songs are fantastic. Uh, the music I, is incredible. Music is just, I mean. Fountains of Wayne, y'all. Fountains of Wayne. It's the best music <laughs> they ever wrote, uh, besides Stacy's mom. Obviously. Of course. But it's just, I mean, the scene where they're in the garage writing the song is just, I mean, that's everything to me as far as, like, uh, you know, Drama and comedy and entertainment put all into one. I mean, Steve Zahn is just great in that movie uh, as well. And we also get uh, Liv Tyler. Charlie Theron was really introduced to us through this movie as well. And uh, mm. 
it's 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 should be a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's in the nineties somewhere, but uh, I just can't think of something to hate about that thing you do. It's just um, it just reminds you of the good times, great music, great acting, and uh, like I said, Tom Hanks really never really lived up to his directorial effort uh, thus far, at least. Um, this was his first movie, and it, it sucks. It's clearly, to start a passion on such a high project. Note. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, yeah. I think he threw everything into this. Yeah. Whereas I don't think Larry Crown was as much of a passion project. <laughs> yeah, sole writer of that thing you do. The, yeah, you know, the idea so and everything, and screenplay and everything it was was wow. Tom Hanks. And so, really good I'm stuff. So, I'm so glad this made your list because it was in it was in heavy consideration for mine. This is a movie that I love, and I. I, I remember I threw this out at one point as a weekly recommend kind of sheepishly because I wasn't aware that so many people loved this movie like and that you guys would would really enjoy it. You know, we're excited about it as well. So uh, I freaking love that thing you do and has incredible cover art on the, the Blu-ray, by the way. That, yeah, I feel like that needs to be mentioned. It holds up fantastically well. The scene totally. where they hear, hear themselves on the radio for the it's, first time is just. I mean, you it's can't iconic. Watch that yeah. and have a bad attitude afterwards. Yeah. You know, like it's so exciting. I, it's funny. I don't. You said earlier, Kent, like you know, any of these top ten movies, you're gonna want to watch anytime that you know you catch part of it on TV. Yeah. I'm not that way. Like if I see any of these movies, like we'll just say Toy Story. If Toy Story pops up on TV, I will not sit down and watch it. I will start it over on on my Blu-ray or whatever, uh-huh. just because I'm like I don't want to watch part of this. I'm gonna watch the whole thing. That thing you do might be the only movie that really fits that bill for me if it is on i will watch however much is left of it every single time right it's chock full of of memorable scenes where they play the talent show and guy speeds up the song and then they it becomes a a hit song uh it's when they play on the the sort of saturday night live or you know ed sullivan ripoff show also greatness and it's just chock full of of fantastic fantastic stuff so that thing you do what? One of American Treasure Uncle Tony's favorite films of all time. Is it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, it and, should be. Rightfully and so. And features uh, future O'Malley Award winner uh, Steve's on. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Yes. <laughs> we uh, we it was a movie I saw you know when it came out and I saw it and I really liked it, but I never really appreciated how how great it was until years later. It's you really know? smart. Uh, it's really smart. It's really really good. So that thing you do is my number. Number nine movie. I'm glad you guys like it too because it was quite, uh, quite in, uh, formative on me and and as far as my movie and music tastes uh, growing up. So uh, let's move on to number eight. Brian Gill. Sure. My number eight film also features American Treasure Tom Hanks. Um, this is a weird one to have on the list, but I watch it so often that despite its very difficult subject matter, it has become a favorite film because of the performances and just the scope of the films. My number eight film is uh, Saving Private Ryan, which I, I watch at least once a year on you know Memorial Day or, or somewhere around that time. Um, very difficult film to watch, obviously, even after having seen it 12 or 20 times i don't know it, it's one that i i love the camaraderie between the the soldiers so much um and and hanks is incredible and so is so is matt damon in a very small one so is like ed burns ed burns is really underrated in that film um so yeah it's definitely a different take than most of the other movies that are gonna be on my list but uh it's one that that i love so same with Ryan. Yeah, I, I recommended it this past uh, June when the anniversary of D-Day came up. It's it's one that I truly appreciate. If I was making a list of my 
the the best movies of all time, it would be yeah. it would be on there for yeah. sure. And yep. uh, it's hard for me to say it's my favorite just because it's such a such an event to it watch is. it, you know. Right. But I totally respect that you can watch it every year and and appreciate it because I mean it's just it's Spielberg's best movie in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but it, I'll tell you, I had it out of the list for E. T. Um, for a while, but I just. I kept coming back to it because I do, I watch it a lot. And so it's really hard to call a movie like that, your favorite movie, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel like yeah. it needed to be here. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Uh, Richard, any thoughts on that at all? No, incredible movie one. And, and I'm totally with Kent actually, that if I'm making a list of best movies ever, it's high. Yeah. Uh, but it's not one that I enjoy watching weirdo, but, uh, no, <laughs> But, Let's wait uh, for Showa later in the list. <laughs> <laughs> I have roots on my list. No, <laughs> oh well, there's no going anywhere. From it. uh, it's not as good as Shakespeare in Love, though, according yeah. to the Academy. Yeah, that's, no, it's uh, not. We should. And we should. That's important. But it's know, Shakespeare, it's, and he's in love. Yeah, and it's Joseph Fiennes. <laughs> yeah, the second the best Fiennes brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and read it back to me. Yeah, no, not another. What do you add to What do you add to Saving Private Ryan? It's, yeah. it's a master. I mean, it's probably his masterpiece, right? Yeah, right. I would think so. And yeah. he's made some pretty good movies. Close, uh, Richard. What's your number eight? Well, there's no way to segue here, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, you know, I've been sitting here trying to think of a way, and there is no way. And I want people to know that this is not a bit. I am 100 percent serious about this, and I think you guys know where I'm going. Like I wouldn't have MacGruber in my top yeah. ten. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yeah. It's the best. Such Tell me one reason. reason why it shouldn't be. No, I'm surprised that it's this low, honestly. <laughs> well, you know, I think I have to have some hold respect on the other people out there. But uh yeah, I mean it's 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 one of the funniest movies I think ever made. And it's especially if you have if you speak the language of of and Brian, the thing you sent me the other day was great where people have like very seriously broken down in terms of film criticism. But uh it really is though, it's so much better if you have a knowledge of particularly action movies because it's the best like satire and parody since Airplane, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and and it's done so well and it's done without winking and uh the character is such a funny vehicle to spoof a million things including the character and there are more jokes in that hour and 20 minutes than (laughs) any i mean it's like a sitcom almost it is just a joke delivery device it's magnificent forte is the man and yeah i'm 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 not kidding i i love that movie i think it's one of the funniest movies ever it's criminally criminally underrated i know it's a cold classic but it is a joke that more people haven't seen it and more people don't love it and i if you don't like it you're stupid so deal with it <laughs> or you're yeah. over the age of 37 38 <laughs> or you're a girl but yeah. other than that <laughs> other than that it's fine not saying women are stupid i'm just saying women don't get right. this movie. yeah if women for, don't get it not for girls they're they're not stupid but if guys don't get it there's they're stupid <laughs> it's it's top 10 worthy and i will recommend for our listener go back and listen to that episode we do have a full hour where we break down MacGruber, believe and it's it or not. probably the most joyous hour in this podcast history. Yeah, yeah, we uh, it's us yeah. giggling for an hour. Yeah, we just giggle for an hour and a half. Definitely watch MacGruber before you listen to it, though, because we just talk about the funny parts. We don't want to ruin it for you, so watch that movie if you haven't seen it. Grab a stick of celery and just enjoy the film. Enjoy, enjoy the movie. You have to see it. I know you're probably thinking that looks stupid. It didn't make any money, uh, but it is funny. 
You will thank us. Pro- you know, for sure. You will thank us. Rob Fee. Rob Fee. Rob Fee finally that. watched it. Yeah. And uh, he loved it. And there's no one that I've met that has watched it and hasn't enjoyed it. You know, so. Except except your mom. That was a little weird. That. that <laughs> I don't know about that, Brian. <laughs> Well, we'll talk after the show. But, <laughs> that was a weird date night. <laughs> but yeah, no, watch MacGruber. And it's one that I could have put on my top 10, but I wasn't introduced to it until a few I years back. I saw the back, theater. So. One of my, I, yeah. If I could have one ticket stub from my life, it would be that one <laughs> to prove it. But I do have witnesses. Fortunately, one's an ex-girlfriend, so we don't talk. That but, movie uh, made... Mullenhoff was there. That movie made $10 million total. I know. I know. Total. You couldn't make that little if you wanted to now, it seems like. Shut your butt. <laughs> wow. It's just uh, – it's amazing that it, – it's it's had a second life for sure. Yeah. And according to Ryan Phillippe, thanks to our friend Rob Fee, who apparently knows Ryan Phillippe, uh, MacGruber 2 is happening and they're writing the script right now. So look that forward movie to that. desperately needs to be on Netflix. Yeah, I feel like it, it does. could really achieve yes. crazy cult status if it was readily accessible to everybody. We got to use we got to talk to Fee and get him to talk to Philippi and we got to get cameos. We got to get cam we got to write it. <laughs> I don't care. I just want to walk by. I literally yeah. I would yeah. pay a good amount of money on a Kickstarter <laughs> to have a walk on thing in Gruber and I would put it on my headstone when I died. It will. Just a gif of it or yeah. gif or how you say it. For sure. It'll happen. Okay, on my number eight. And uh, and Richard, this one was a debate for me. It was a debate between Catch Me If You Can and this film. (laughs) But I feel like this film aligns more with my personal interests. Mm -hmm. So I will say uh, my number eight film is Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Nice. Which is one that I've come to know and love uh, a lot, a lot over the years. And um, second movie for Spielberg, second feature-length movie for Spielberg is first real one was Duel, which nobody saw. And then, of course, Jaws and Close Encounters after that. No, no one saw Jaws either. No one really saw Jaws. <laughs> small little small little indie picture. But this one is just um, – I have another Spielberg film in my list, but it's my number two. I wasn't as high on E.T. as you were, Brian. I know mm. I totally understand why you are. I do like E.T. a lot, but it's not top ten worthy for me because I just – I wasn't – you know, I grew up in the 90s. You grew up, you know, you're a few years older than us, so I'm sure E.T. Sure. would be more into my uh, interest if I was – We're more in into blank check. Blank check, you know. <laughs> Brink. Little big league. I got you. Yeah. So, yeah, Close Encounters is on my list. I, have you guys seen it at all? Yeah. It has been a really long time. So yeah, for me. I have not. I've not seen it on like a blue, you know, like a Blu-ray or something a high quality, because um, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, it's worth it's worth getting Blu-ray of it. And I feel uh, like that movie goes through hot and cold streaks, where it's like really hot, and a lot of people talk about it being a classic, and then you don't hear about it for five years. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And then all of a sudden, it's sure. back and yeah, thirtieth anniversary Blu-ray is what I'm referring to. I <laughs> cool. think. Um, check that out. Really good stuff and a fantastic score by John Williams as well. Very iconic stuff. So Catch Me If You Can was almost on this in this spot. I, I absolutely love that. That's my third favorite Spielberg film probably and um, totally worthy of a, of a top ten. But yeah. uh, since you already mentioned it, Richard, I'm, I'm glad you did because uh, it, it got slightly bumped off my list for Close Encounters. So that's my number eight. Brian, move on to number seven. 
Number seven is a Western, which is not my favorite genre by any means. Uh, but, man, I love this movie. I watched it for the first time. This will date this my life. Uh, I watched this on a VHS in my friend's minivan as we drove to camp one summer. So that, uh, that'll that tell you. I mean, VHS, a five-inch sc- five screen. Fat camp, Brian? Yeah, for fat camp. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I desperately needed to lose weight as a <laughs> as a teenager. Um, no, it, this movie's uh, Kurt Russell and American Treasure Val Kilmer is Tombstone. Uh, one of my favorite movies is one that I will watch continuously. I, I it makes the rotation quite often. Uh, has a lot of incredible lines and just really, it's just a cool movie. Like uh, Kilmer and Russell both are just cool in that movie, and and as yeah. a I was probably 11 or 12, I'm going to guess, when I saw it for the first time. As a 12-year-old, I was just blown away by how awesome Val Kilmer was uh, and and really, really dig this film to and this continu- day. And continues to be. Continues to be cool. That w- that might have been my introduction to Val Kilmer now that I think about it. So I probably hadn't seen Top Gun at that point. So that was- What about Batman uh, Forever? No, this was let's see. Tombstone was ninety three, so I probably saw it in ninety four, ninety five. Okay. That was when Batman Forever came out, right? Ninety five. Yeah, ninety five. Yeah. yeah. So you had a so good this, Kilmer, good yeah, couple yeah, Kilmer this years. Was a good, good way to get into him. So uh, yeah, love this movie and uh, watch it quite quite frequently. Wow, that's a that's a dark horse. That's, yeah, that's the reason yeah. why this is a favorites list, not a best right. of list. If you totally. were to to make a best of westerns, it would probably be Good, Bad, and the Ugly would be up there and uh unforgiven would be up there as well yeah i imagine yeah. uh but tombstone very underrated yeah totally and one of the last good westerns yeah like western is like kind of a dead genre at this point and most of the ones that get made are like the proposition is very popular but it's an australian film stuff like that it's not we don't do westerns anymore as a as a society i guess and uh and man tombstone is tombstone is awesome lots it of is. fun great stuff Richard, number seven. Mine is uh, my first non-comedy. Gosh, in my in my top ten, uh, a, a movie that was like kind of the first, uh, definitely my introduction to this director. A movie I probably shouldn't have been watching at the age I watched it. A movie that uh, Kent and I brilliantly parodied at our prom, um, which yes. is one of my favorite jokes that we ever snuck in anything ever. Um, and because <laughs> cut to us parodying Boogie Nights. <laughs> and just cackling hilariously while everyone watches the video and no one getting it um, <laughs> at all. And and we were just could not have been more overjoyed. Yeah. You're a star. Uh, it was Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights is in my, uh, is in my top ten. You're a big, bright, shining star. <laughs> and then reaching for something and then it cutting away. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Boogie Nights, it's like there are 18 great performances in this movie. There are more great performances in this movie than like any any movie ever. And uh, the Hoffman is incredible in it. And Wahlberg's really good in it. And uh, it gave us – it was kind of our big uh, introduction to – you know, arguably the most important uh, filmmaker of that kind of post Spielberg era, and uh, and I, I I just love this movie, and I you know it's kind of a despicable subject matter in time, but it's like just it's such a great piece of art, you kind of can't deny its its power. So uh, so Boogie Nights, can't believe you almost finished. You finished saying that without mentioning Burt Reynolds. Yes, yeah. Burt Reynolds, the uh, yeah. the uh, Renaissance of Burt Reynolds, which was. Uh, Short-lived, but uh, <laughs> but he is until he is Norm Macdonald's Celebrity Jeopardy bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. we'll always have those. Turn uh, Ferguson. Yeah, <laughs> that's a funny name. It's, uh, 
It's funny because it's a uh, bigger, <laughs> bigger than, than a normal size, size hat. <laughs> <laughs> Found it backstage. All right, keep going. But uh, yeah, what the, this movie's great. That's all I have to say. It's just it's every time I watch it, I like it more and more. A movie. This is probably the one movie in my top ten that would not at all have been in my top ten five years ago, and now it is pretty good in there. You know, at number uh, six. Yeah. Yeah. Or seven, whatever that was. Worthy film, and it did bring us Paul Thomas Anderson, which I think uh, thank him for making that and, and bursting onto the scene. Once again, stoked for Inherent Vice. Liked, really liked the master, especially the performances in that a few years back. But uh, I thought, you know, if Joaquin didn't win for that, he wasn't going to win. But then he came out with her after that, and mm. uh, that was just as, as great of a performance. And he has Inherent Vice this year, which I'm sure will be great as well so yeah worthy worthy of a top 10 richard that's for sure hey ma'am fam question for you do you own a small business or are you a boss are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role well, let me tell you about ziprecruiter.com with ziprecruiter you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click in fact over 80 percent of jobs posted on ziprecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Um, I'm going to move on to my number seven. And this is a science fiction movie. And it's, um, one of the, it's one of the most iconic films of all time. But I have a feeling it's not on any of y'all's lists. I'm not sure if you've even seen it. Not sure if it's even come up on this podcast before. My number seven is 1968's Mac and Me. Mac no? and Me. <laughs> That's not science Sorry. fiction. That's uh, okay. a science That's fact, true. actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it's 1968's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, yeah. Very uh, cool. Stanley Kubrick's own oh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. And it's, uh, it's just a masterpiece. What can I say? It, it was a flop back in the day. But it's of course grown in popularity over the years. Uh, the movie lovers, of its time. It's yeah, it's the movie lovers' science fiction movie. Um, the new movie snobs' science fiction movie. I think 
You know, there are other more popular science fiction movies that have come out over the years, of course, box office wise, popularity wise, but 2001 started it all. And um, I, I didn't really come onto it until you know, a decade ago or so, but it's one that I've purchased on Blu-ray. And every time I watch it, it's just, it's almost a religious experience for me. It's, it's, it's that good. And uh, you watch it and you see where it started and how science fiction, every film after that, uh, sort of takes something from that food, from that movie. And uh, just the, you know, the first act is obviously, you know, the, the earth stuff and the ape stuff, but you know, every act after that is just, it just moves at such a great pace. And uh, there's not much I can, more I can say about it other than being a freaking masterpiece. It's, it's worthy of a top 10 best movies of all time, in my opinion. Uh, but I don't think we've ever talked about it. Brian, have you seen 2001? I have. Um, here's where, here's where we're going to disagree. I very, very much appreciate because I love science fiction. I very much appreciate how influential 2001 is and what a big deal it is. And if like, if people love it, like you do, Kent, I can't fault you at all for that. But it took me like six times to get through the movie. Like I can't, I've, I've tried to watch it back in like the early days of college, which is like my film, like awakening, I guess of really getting into film and not just whatever movie came out that week that was going to be huge and whatnot. Um, and I couldn't make it through it. And I tried a couple times after that. I finally just skipped the first act, which to me is just like being, I don't know, having my hair pulled out one at a time or something. I can't stand that first act at all. Um, and once I got past that part and could just watch, you know, the space stuff, I really, I, I can, okay, I get it. It's, it's a, and I, again, I, I really appreciate the influence that it had. It's just not a movie that I'm ever going to get. I think you have a theory, Kent, that people in the world fall into two categories. And I think that's one of them. Like you either love or you hate 2001 and it's, that's just kind of the way that it is. Yeah. And what I like about it most is that it is what it is. It wasn't yeah. trying to be uh, an entertaining, like big, big budget blockbuster. Yeah, it was. It's almost an art house picture. It basically, is an art house picture. It is. Yeah, totally. And it, 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 just the way it's aged over time has is amazing. This is 1968, and it really holds up <laughs> as far as film technique and everything goes. Yeah, it looks amazing. Totally, it, it is just. I mean, it's amazing that this was ten years before the big blockbuster started to even happen, and. Um, Man, what a masterpiece. Uh, 2001, greatness. Richard, have you seen it? I have. Good stuff. I don't know it if is. you liked it or not. but uh, uh, Yeah, but I've, I don't like any sci-fi. No, no, yeah. it's it's kind of like a uh, – I watch it like I watch a movie at a museum or something. Like it's just – you just stare at it. You, get, yeah. you stare at it and just get lost in the yeah. kind of majesty of it. But it's almost it, documentarian style yes, of it. Yes, but right. plot-wise, I find myself – I don't care for any character in the movie, but that's not what it's trying to do. So I'm not going to criticize it for that. It's just for me, it makes it, it's not one I will ever, I will probably watch that movie two more times the rest of my life. Yeah. I feel like it's more of an experience than it is a story. Yeah. hundred percent. I totally agree with that. And the story is not what I like about it. I just like, uh, I like the movie itself. I like the film sure. that it is. Totally valid. Completely totally valid. Fair. So Ryan, number six. Number six for me is a is a film series. This is where we're going to start getting into the the cheating, if you want to call it that. 
Uh, and it's a it's a series of films that I know at least one of the people on this this podcast has not seen. And number six for me is Harry Potter one through eight. Um, the whole the, the the franchise as a whole are highly enjoyable movies that I tried so hard to not engage with um, because it seemed like it was for kids or for the masses, which is something that I usually try to rebel against and then come back around on eventually. Um, I love the books. I love the movies. I, I watch them every year. And, and there are times when I will just pick one out of the set and, and put it in when I'm like having a, a – maybe I'm not having a bad day, but it's like I've just got to do some work. I need something on in the background that I can enjoy that will not depress me that will not that I, and that I can uh, – I can watch without getting too sucked into and I'll usually, you know, I'll pop one of those movies in. And so, uh, one of my, one of the most well done adaptations from book to movie ever, in my opinion, and, uh, and, and really highly enjoyable movies. Yeah, no, I, I can't deny that or dispute that. Cause I haven't seen, <laughs> I've only seen the first one really. Yeah. I've seen the first one. I will admit that, uh, sure. but I haven't seen haven't seen the other seven of them. <laughs> hey, we got, yeah. we got, we got to fix that, man. No, we I'll watch them. I'll, I'm in, a, I'm in a place right now where I can watch them, and I will watch them. It's not that I don't want to; it's just that I haven't. I mean, yeah, that's, no, that's, I that's the best totally, way I can explain it. Totally, you know? I have nothing against them at all, but uh, totally worthy of a top ten, I'm sure, Ryan. It's as far as the uh, the theme parks go, you know. Yeah. Any, any movie that has four theme parks dedicated to it, I I think it's worthy of a of a high vote on a top 10 list of personal favorites. That <laughs> sure. is. So sure. Richard hit, hit us up with your, I guess, number six film. Number six mo- film is the movie I have seen the most times in my life. Um, I've seen this movie. I had a VHS copy of this that I watched hundreds of thousands of times to the point where I can tell you what trailers were on before it and all that good stuff. Um, it is uh, probably if I have a, comic voice at all um i owe an insane debt to this both consciously and unconsciously i'm sure because it is um you know so smart i think and so uh and just so good i I love this movie so much and i don't think it's it's really ever been topped um just purely comedically for me except for maybe mcgruber this is a movie called wings world yeah i didn't see that one coming that's a fastball right by me that's cool. That's tell awesome. Me, tell me what's wrong with Wayne's World. Nothing. There's nothing wrong with it. Right? Nothing. I'm not accusing you. Yeah. I know you don't think that, but uh, it's just it's it's great. There's it's perfect. It is exactly what it means to be, and it's it's wonderfully funny, and wonderfully original, and 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 uh, like McGruber taking a sketch that lasts three minutes and turning it into a really good movie with it's Wayne's World even more than McGruber because McGruber's just funny flat out jokes but Wayne's World has a plot and you care about those characters and you want them to be happy and and all those things I think it's really just an almost perfect movie comedy yeah it's probably the most uh, if people were to vote it would probably be rank it would probably rank as the best SNL based movie mm-hmm. would there I mean is there an argument to be made for something else I mean McGruber probably cult wise but on a mass scale I think Wayne's World People want to see more Wayne's World. Superstar you know. has a huge following. Does it? No. no. Night at the Roxbury that's... was pretty big or still is kind of people you know, still watching that on the, Netflix and stuff like that. The but, launching uh, pad for Chris Kattan. Yeah. <laughs> he just uh, capitalized on that for about uh, <laughs> two and a half weeks. And uh, 
you know, <laughs> never saw him again. I don't like Chris. We'll I hate Mango movie. So yeah, yeah, I hate Chris Kattan actively, and I'll tell you guys why off the podcast. We can if you email the podcast, I'll tell you why. Yeah. Well, what was the other character he did? Not uh, Mr. Peepers. Mr. Peepers. Golly, Mango. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's that's all. Uh, okay, I'll move on to my number six here, and and good choice, Richard, with Wayne's World. Yeah, Not one I on. saw coming at all. Uh, spot on. Uh, this one is animated, and it was between two movies. And Brian, this goes back to what you mentioned earlier. There are two types of people in this world. <laughs> and uh, this is the the film that I've sort of based that on. There are two types of people. People who like Fantasia and people who don't like Fantasia. You mean high and sober people? No. <laughs> but Fantasia's not on my on, not on my um, not on my uh, list. It was the one that I debated putting on in place of this film. Uh, I wanted to put an animated movie on my list. I'm a huge, huge fan of animation. And I went back and looked at the Disney properties, the Pixar properties, and I tried to find the movie that was spoke most to me. And that would probably be P- Peter Pan. It's not on my list, but I just don't feel like I could watch that now and feel the same way I did about it. That's why Fantasia would be on the list because I feel like for adults, children, everybody, old people, young people, it it's the most timeless Disney film there is probably in my personal opinion. So what did ended up making the list, and Brian almost stole it from me uh, with his number 10, but mine is Toy Story 2, actually. Oh. Okay. Not the uh, not the Toy Story most people would pick. Uh, probably Toy Story one or Toy Story three would be the popular opinion. But actually, Toy Story two is my favorite of okay. the Toy Story movies. I I really like Toy Story one, especially the first half, first act of it. The introduction is great, and um, I just feel like at the end, I I just get uh, I just start losing my attention towards the end of Toy Story one. Toy Story three just sort of made me sad. All the way through, <laughs> yeah. it's just really hard to watch sometimes because um, you you don't want them to die in a fiery furnace. Right. Uh, Toy Story Two just had everything I wanted in it, and it's just it was the perfect sequel to it. I think it was the perfect plot line with Woody uh, being a rare toy and sort of a collector being uh, really after. Woody and I love the toy store sequences. I love the sequence where Woody gets sort of fixed up by the old guy, and uh, and the Jesse the cowgirl stuff is heartbreaking, but but fantastic. And I just hated the prospector in it as well. So it had a villain that I despised. Yeah. Although I do enjoy Kelsey Grammer as a person, <laughs> hated the prospector. So had everything I wanted. It's my favorite Disney property. Uh, if if I guess you could call Toy Story a Disney property now. But um, but that one is is my number six. So it was almost Toy Story one, but Toy Story two slightly edged it out at the last minute. So that that's my that's my uh, that's my animated film on my list. They don't have any it's more. Funny so. Toy Story two is probably my least favorite of the three, but it's still like an A movie to yeah, me. You know, yeah. it's still really really good. Um, but uh, so yeah, that's great. That's an that's an interesting deviation from my you know my. Toy Story and or Toy Story Three. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's personal favorite once yeah. again. It, I liked it the most of of the three. So let's move on to number five. Top five. Here we go, Brian. Number five. Top five. Number five. Steven Spielberg. 
classic film. We did a we did a show on this uh, last year sometime because it got re released for its 28th anniversary. Probably still to this day, I'm trying to think. Not probably, definitely at this point, still to this day, the most memorable theater experience that I've ever had. Um, and pro- I don't know. It's very likely that that will go down as the the greatest theater experience of my life. Number five, Jurassic Park. Love, uh, love, love, love this movie. It's been so cool to be able to revisit it a couple times the last year. Once again for the show, and uh, last month or the month before, I found out two of my friends had never seen it. Somehow, I don't know if maybe they are not from this world and were dropped down here uh, at 22 or 23 years old. I don't know how anybody my age could have missed this one, but uh, got to watch it again a couple months ago. No, that's not that. They just have awful parents. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, um, neglectful. Terrible parents. The worst. I'm going to call CPS on them (laughs) retroactively. But, man, what a great movie and amazing how well it holds up 20 years later. The special effects are out of this world. There are movies that are being released today that have – that their special effects suck compared to the special effects of Jurassic Park. Just amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Yeah, and it's one that we'll talk about later, Brian. Just sure, a teaser. I figured. I figured um, that might but, be the one that would cross over. Yeah, I have a lot to say about about that one. But strong. Glad it's on your top five. If it was any lower than that, I'd be pretty offended. <laughs> Honestly, for you, know, you yeah. knowing you. you, you know what's crazy about me at Jurassic Park? I love it. I saw it once in the theaters when I was a kid, and I saw it when we did the podcast last year. Really? Never seen it in between. Isn't that's that crazy? crazy. Yeah, I've seen Jurassic Park two times, and it, I have nothing against it. I love it. It might be in my top twenty-five movies ever. Yeah, I've seen it twice. Wow, that's funny. I had a VHS copy of it that my brother watched. I think I may have told the story on the podcast before, but my brother watched it literally every single day one summer to the point that I took it out of the VCR, put it down on the ground, and stomped it until it was unusable <laughs> because I was so tired of him of him watching it every day. I was like, "It's my it's my movie. I can do what I want with it," and just destroyed it. So. <laughs> Um, that's the kind of brother I was, but, great uh, yeah, great, great, great movie. Awesome. Let's, uh, hit up Richard's number five. My number five movie is, uh, probably I'm looking at the list here. Uh, no, yeah, maybe the most recent movie. It's, it's a movie that I think has such a vast film knowledge and it's such a beautiful movie in terms of the way it's filmed and the performances are great. And it's, yeah, I think the best movie this guy did and he's done some pretty good movie and, and that movie, pretty good movies. Uh, that movie's Inglorious Bastards. Nice. Um, I think the cinematography and it's just unbelievable. The opening scene at the milk farm, like it yeah. looks like the freaking sound of music, man. It's like <laughs> so stunning. And Kristoff uh, freaking Waltz, <laughs> yeah. uh, probably my favorite actor. So uh, probably my favorite actor ever. It was my introduction to him. So just for that reason, what a gift uh, this movie is. But I think it's just like it's so much more than it is. Um yeah. The, when you when when you watch it over and over again, it doesn't really get the credit. It's such a good popcorn movie, and it's such a kind of interesting comment on some things. And uh, I don't know. I just don't know if he can do much better than that. Um, but we'll we'll see. And I'm not a Tarantino fanboy. I like him a lot, uh, but it's it, I'm not like a nut for him. I think he's great, but uh, this movie I think is just fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat, Richard. I'm not a Tarantino fanboy, and I, uh, Inglorious Bastards is a, a borderline masterpiece. It's yeah. a fantastic film. Yeah, yeah, and it's all summed up by the last line of the movie. Yeah, when uh, they're carving the swastika in his head, and he says, "I think this is my masterpiece." Yeah, uh, 
Mm-hmm. I think he knew it all along that this was going to be the one that people talk about for years. Uh, not that they don't talk about the other Tarantino films enough already, except for Jackie Brown, which no one talks about. <laughs> yeah, but, and it's really good too. Like I, don't I like Jackie Brown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's just no one even knows that that came out. Or that, like if that's I was African American and I wanted to like make a racist argument, I would bring up the fact that no one talks about Jackie Brown because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no one can argue that point, right? Like everyone right. just goes crazy for Tarantino movies, and you're like. This one's 95% as good as the rest, and no one mentions it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're all racist. I'll move on to my number five here. It's a Quentin Tarantino film. So nice. Good segue. And Death Proof. It's, <laughs> it is Death Proof from the double feature, Planet Terror slash Death Proof from Robert Rodriguez. And, no, not actually. Uh, I didn't like Death Proof at all. I actually like Planet Terror a lot more. I only own Planet Terror on DVD. I don't even own Death Proof. <laughs> didn't even <laughs> buy that. Just bought the other one. But um, So it's 1994's Pulp Fiction on mm-hmm. uh, my top ten. Probably the most worshipped film in in, uh, in Tarantino's filmography other than Inglorious Bastards, which you know has been only in the past couple of years. But uh, people still worship Pulp Fiction. It was probably the most talked about film of 1994 if that's even possible i remember cisco and ebert did a special only talking about pulp fiction Mm -hmm. on uh on their at the movies program just talking about the the film significance of it and uh, it just feels like a movie every time you watch it it's it's a film it's uh this guy was like 20 you know six or seven or eight years old when he made it it's just he's our age and he made pulp fiction it's just it's it's nuts that's the number one compliment that I give and, and I think if I were Tarantino that I would love is that when he's good, his movies are freaking movies, man. Yeah. Like they are everything you would ever want from a film. And yeah. I think that is because he has such a, a wealth of knowledge um, and, and is so influenced in, in a positive way. But you're, that's a great way of putting it, man. I always say the same thing. So it's, it's great because I also say it. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I, he just has a voice is what I love. You know, it's, yeah. he has such a distinctive way of creating characters that I enjoy. I really like his other films as well. Uh, I like the Kill Bill 1 and 2 a lot. Uh, I, I really like Inglorious Bastards. I really liked Django Unchained. And I, I will. I know I will really like The Hateful Eight uh, when it comes out next year where it's supposed to come out. So I'm, I'm excited for it, but uh, I think Pulp Fiction is a modern masterpiece classic. And uh, a lot of people... Don't like it. I totally, totally, hundred percent understand why you wouldn't like it, but I love it, and uh, it's one of the only one on my list probably that I couldn't watch on TV just because there's too much bleeping. I, you sure. have to watch it on it in its true form uh, to really get it. So, Pulp Fiction is my number five film. Not, not as good as Forrest Gump, though. Not as good, or uh, or quiz show, you know, yeah, or yeah, or Shawshank at all. Or another, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's my number five is Pulp Fiction. Let's move on to our inside our top fives to number four, Brian. Number four for me is one of the more recent. I don't I don't have any recent films on my list. I'm kind of discovering as we're going. Uh, this is a movie that. I don't know how to describe it other than just I just love this movie so much. I I have grown to love it even more. I, I really liked it the first time I've seen I saw it. And since then, like the the time between when I pop this movie in and watch it again gets smaller and smaller each time. Uh, I watched it a couple months ago and I'm already Jones in to see it again. Uh so my number four movie is Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous, uh, which I just 
freaking love. I just love this movie so much. And it's one that I always I always recommend to people because it doesn't seem like anybody has seen it despite uh, – I know, despite – you know, it's it's got – you know, it got good critical reviews. It's got a couple of Academy Award nominations. It got a lot of Golden Globe love. It was a big all that deal. kind of stuff. It was, it was a big deal, and it just doesn't seem like anybody has seen it. And I, yeah. I don't really understand what that is all about. But uh, such I thought a that great would movie. would be your number one. I was taking it, that kind of mental bets, and I was yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. It man, I love the movie. I love it so much, and I I just wish more people would see it. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's in the movie for I don't know fifteen minutes, and it's. Um, when he died this year, that was the first thing I thought of was his role. So I went back and watched it and I just, it is, his performance is masterful and it's in such a small dose. It's just, oh my gosh. But there's so many great performances throughout. Billy Crudup is incredible. Kate Hudson's only good performance ever, uh, is captured within this film. Skeleton Um, key. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Cameron Crowe has this incredible ability to get the absolute best out of, whoever is in his films to the point that they, they really made a lot of them don't ever recover. Um, Cuba's done pretty well. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Honestly, someone hasn't seen snow dogs. (laughs) Yes. It's a very strange phenomenon with him. Uh, if you're an actor, it's gotta be like a weird thing to, you know, get cast in one of his movies (laughs) because on the one hand, man, you may have the performance of a lifetime. But on the other hand, you may never be in another movie again. Like this is, you know, it's or if you're Orlando Bloom, you might give a terrible performance and never be in another movie. Again. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Best of both worlds. Uh, no, almost famous, incredible. And the, the music is amazing. Uh, amazing. So please, yeah. please go see almost famous. If you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. It needs a re-release. It needs like a, yeah. it needs a remastering Blu-ray. Like people yeah. need to be talking about it again. And remember, there's it. a, there's a director's cut on DVD, but I have I think I just have a standard version on on Almost Famous. And I was thinking about this the other day, Kit. It needs a vinyl release yes, for the soundtrack. I was about to say it really does. I think that would I don't know, that would boost it just slightly, but it would be something that I would like. So, Mr. Crow, if you're listening, please make that happen. Jimmy Fallon randomly in that movie too. Yeah. Yeah. Res- with respect. Yeah. With it's respect. he's he but he's super happy that he has at least one film credit that's worthy of anything <laughs> yeah. in his career. So really cool. And Billy Crudup has uh, has the movie Rudderless coming out, which is sort of the same deal. William H. Macy directed it. It's about – it's like him and Anton Yelkin and, and they start a band. Huh. Uh, so it looks sort of – check out the trailer. It looks sort of Sweet. a similar uh, tone. I really like that. Billy Crudup. So do I. Yeah. I do too. And it just – you see this – Every time I watch Almost Famous, I get it's like I get excited about his career without remembering that this movie was made 13 years ago. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm like, oh man, this guy is up and coming. This guy's going to be a force. And then you're like, oh, he did Big Fish and <laughs> Mission Impossible Three, and uh, that's about it. You know? Yeah. I wish that he was the lead in Elizabeth Town. I feel like if yeah, Cameron Crowe could go not? back in time, that would be the that would make that movie spectacular, in my opinion. Same with Jason Lee, too. Yes. It's like, okay, my name is Earl. That's all you're going to do, really, ever (laughs) after that? Uh, I like Jason Lee, too. Hopefully he does something eventually good. So, Richard, number four. This one will be quick because Brian's already done it. It is – I love – you guys may not know. My favorite, like, actor of a different era is Paul Newman, and I adore Paul Newman, both as a person and as an actor, and uh, The Sting. I love a good caper film. Nice. Brian, you had it in your honorable mention. It is my number four. I love The Sting. It's a timeless film. I know a lot of you hate 
you know, a lot of you may not like older films because they're slow or something like that. I can assure you this thing is not right, Brian. I mean, it's just it's, really it, good. It moves and, so fast to the point that you have to watch it a couple of times to catch all the stuff. Sure. Seriously. And, and it's a movie that could be made right now with, uh, yes. with the exact same cinematography and the exact same script. And it would be a huge hit with, you know, um, obviously Justin Bieber and <laughs> I don't yeah. know. That was a really lame reference. I could have done better. <laughs> I'm normally better at that. I just, my brain went dead. Yeah, just, Jesse Eisenberg, um, obviously. Isn't Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson. And <laughs> here's the twist, though, to pull off the heist. They're wizards. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's sure. never made clear. Yeah. But they're probably wizards. <laughs> the, the sequel will delve into that a little bit. Yeah, hopefully. Speaking of sequel, the Sting sequel is abysmal. Please don't even look at it. It's so so bad. So bad. Yeah, it's super bad. It is <laughs> it is really really bad. It's, I, I forgot that existed, Brian. Um, yeah, but it's great. It's great, and I I won't go on too long because Brian so covered good. it very well earlier. But uh, Kent, Newman have you is seen that? the Sting. Yeah, I feel like I have, but I don't own it. Man, so you need to get I can't watch that. it that's, at my own will. That's a fantastic Newman. Like, it's Newman is like you know the Dozaki's guy, like most interesting man in the world. Yeah, he really is that. If you research him at all. I mean, he's kind of known for films and salad dressing, right? But I mean, he was like, he wasn't like a celebrity race car driver, legitimately drove race cars like professionally and won national championships and like world championships and owned a racing team. And, you know, he, 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 he's done all these things. There's a documentary coming out about him next year that about his racing career that I think you guys will really like. He, he's just, I, I think one of the most charismatic actors ever. And uh, and I, I you know all the way till his death. I mean, Road to Perdition. He's just he's great. He's great in this, and I, I I love him. Yeah, I I can't deny that Paul Newman is the man. I mean, he is. When you have your own salad dressing, yeah, and, that's yeah, how you know you're the man. I've, and I I, I kind of scoffed at the salad dressing thing, but no, that is that makes him ten times more awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and salsa. I mean, yeah, if I have I salad dressing and salsa, <laughs> I mean, come on. No, I, I do. I do buy his salsa though. It is pretty good. <laughs> All of his stuff's it. good, man. Yeah, and he's like the best husband ever. Like you know the whole yeah. that old saying. Uh, why would I go out for hamburgers when I have steak at home? You know, uh, he like invented that saying. <laughs> like he was the first one to ever say that. Like he's just <laughs> That's a, awesome. Just an awesome dude. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, my number four is a nineteen eighty six classic. And uh, defines the 80s, at least uh, from a youth standpoint, from a comedic standpoint, easily in my top five. Number four, almost my number one, honestly. Number four, uh, written and directed by John Hughes, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is is my number four movie. Uh, I love this movie, every moment of it. Uh, It's perfectly cast. Broderick is the perfect Ferris Bueller. Uh, I know there was a... A couple of other people that were up for the role of Mr. Bueller, but I think uh, Broderick was the right choice. So it's, it's like the only role ever he's been the right choice for. <laughs> <laughs> and um, man, greatness! And I, I just I'm obsessed with this movie. It's uh, a lot of people's number ones as far as film critics I've heard, um, and it's it's highly respected. And I know there are other John Hughes films that you could say are his best work and could you know be called. Your favorite, you know, The Breakfast Club is probably the number one that people would say, but I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's just a, it's a classic, and that's all I really have to say about it. Um, I could watch it every day, honestly, and, and it not get old to me. So 
Ferris Bueller's Day Off is my number four. Is it? Was it anywhere near y'all's top ten at all? Do y'all care about it at all? We haven't talked about it on the show. I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't really in heavy consideration for my personal list, but yeah. man, and I'm totally with you on the John Hughes thing. That's his, that's his best movie by by a fair stretch, in my oh, opinion. Home Alone, Home Alone well, Two, okay. Lost yeah, in New York, <laughs> Home Alone stuff. But yeah, yeah, okay. Three. Uh, number my number three, three is uh, was was also mentioned previously, so I'll just kind of leave it at that. But uh, the the Lord of the Rings movies would be my my number three film. Mm. Film I, I do consider mm. it. Like I said at the beginning, mm, very nerdy about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I it was written it, in one sitting, thus it should be watched <laughs> yes. in one sitting. That's right. All oh, fourteen and a half hours. Um, <laughs> yeah. And by the way, if we're you know while we're at it, it the extended version is what matters. So uh, let's just. You know, if you're gonna sit down and watch it, you might as well That's, do it. I hate life. that I have the extended edition because <laughs> it's like there's a blurred line between I don't know what was in the original and what's extended. So it's just one giant movie now that's yeah. 14 hours long, and, <laughs> and that's and that's yeah. the way it should be. Right. That's the way it should be. But uh, I love, 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 love this this film, and I I have good memories of you know this came out when I was in college, and so every you know it came out at like it came out Christmas I think consecutive three years in a row. Um, and I, when I came home for college, my, my family and I would go see that, that film each Christmas. And, uh, I've watched it dozens of times since then. Um, every once in a while, I just, you know, I start to, I don't know, I get like, a, I start jonesing for it or something and I'll sit down and make, that will be my next three nights is watching this film. So Lord of the Rings, number three. Sweet. Richard. Uh, here's a movie we've talked about a little bit on the podcast. I know Brian's a big fan. Ken, I think you are as well. It's probably not going to be in a lot of people's top ten, certainly not their top three, but it's going to be in my top three because I love it. And I think it's one of the best lead performances of all time. Um, and this is a movie called About a Boy. Nice. And, and uh, I think I, I, I love Hugh Grant. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit it. I think he's fantastic. And I love him most when he is a complete uh, – uh well tool yeah there you go <laughs> uh, but uh and uh, he certainly is in this and he is I mean I think totally best actor that year should have gone to him I I don't understand I know he had some tough competition but like the more I watch this it's like such a unique and nuanced and perfect performance and uh i love this movie i love the script i i, I you know i'm a sucker for that kind of uh male bonding with uh, kids that aren't your own yeah. uh the court you know is has made that very clear that i'm a little <laughs> too into that <laughs> but but uh, no but this movie's this movie's i mean just so fun to watch and it's got some really tough stuff in it i mean it's not yeah. like a, a romp the parts that are are rompy are, are just fantastic and uh and it deals with real things and it's it's just a very real movie i think um mm-hmm. the relationship that those two have is very authentic and and not gussied up and I, I love that about it yeah it's one too richard that i think i think if you haven't seen it in a while you need to revisit it because i didn't i didn't i i saw the film when it was out on dvd and i you know it was, I, it's a good movie um but you talk it up so much that i went and and rewatched it and uh as an older adult it it affected me i mean it was yeah. it's really stinking good catch me if you can was on your list earlier that's the same thing too i think i appreciate that film yeah. more every time i watch it the older that i get and about a boy i think qualifies in that same uh, same breath it, what it, about you can't you have any thoughts on that i mean it doesn't compare to the tv show <laughs> I mean, it's know it's, yeah it's it's fantastic i mean what can you say it's the peak of hugh grant 
I hope he has a little resurgence here. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. He just doesn't he, care, you know, <laughs> at all. And, and the and the weird, cruel irony about that is that makes him more fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it makes us all like him yeah, more. The yeah. fact that he hates all of us, right? And so uh, it's just this vicious circle of 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 Hugh Grantness. I, I you can find him on Sunset Boulevard somewhere. I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, That's divine. <laughs> yeah, it's totally worthy, Richard, and I'm glad. You you brought it up because it wasn't on my top ten. It wasn't on Brian's except I don't know uh, maybe sure. number one. Our listeners I spoke too soon. are going to hate my top ten. Yeah, it's okay. Pretty sure, I I'm hate it too. Gonna hate. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, my number three has been mentioned. It is Jurassic Park. Nice. Um, almost number one. Could easily make an argument for number one. Probably the most formative movie of my lifetime. Uh, other than another one I'll mention later, but. It's uh wow. You know, I like like you Brian, huge experience for me in the theater. Mm-hmm. And uh and I went back and watched the trailer to this when I and I put it on my list, the original trailer. And it's incredible that they don't show the dinosaurs like really at all in the trailer. Like that's how confident Spielberg yeah. was in this film. Like you don't <laughs> yeah. have to even have to show a dinosaur in the trailer. That's such a power it, move. Yeah. Like, it is and it I also I think it, it highlights the difference between marketing a film in 1983 and marketing yeah. a film in 2014. Completely. You could not get away with that now. There's right. no possible way. Even Spielberg, even somebody with as much clout as you know, he has. You say that. that off. I'm not trying to argue with you, but yeah. you know, we haven't seen anything on Interstellar really. Yeah. Some. I, but, I think that's a little different in that the mystery of that film is what's being sold as much as, okay. as anything else, whereas – Great I think Jurassic Park yep. was you're going to see these dinosaurs. I mean, that's the thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, you're right. You can you can do that in certain circumstances. I don't think I don't think they could they could pull that off with Jurassic Park. Yeah, at this point. the uh, the trailer is all Spielberg face, which if you don't know that, it's just yeah. people looking off in the distance and and you know the camera zooms into them. It's just them reacting to the dinosaurs is what's in the trailer, mm-hmm. and they show like the they show the you know, ripple in the in the cup of water and stuff like that, just sort of hinting at what uh, what lies beyond uh, their oh. line of sight. But beautifully done, it, it lives up to every expectation you have for it, or I had for it uh, as a young person. And uh, the trailer says also it's a movie sixty five million years in the making, and, yeah. and that's that's the truth. It's just nothing compares to that movie as far as scale. It took uh, them that long to sign Wayne Knight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was he was booked with Seinfeld. I mean, it's hard to <laughs> hard to get him back in the day, but no, it is just I can't. I'm all, I'm really excited. For, I have hope for Jurassic World. No, there's no way it'll be anything close to what Jurassic Park was. Right. But I think you know there's something there that can be spun off into a entertaining franchise if the right uh, director gets a hold of it. So high hopes for that, but. Man, Jurassic Park, huge, huge influence in my life and uh, masterpiece of a, of a movie. You could make an argument that it's Spielberg's best film. And I, I could not argue with that. such a little jerk as a kid that I don't – and Kent, you're a little bit younger than me. And, and so it was definitely not an age thing. It was, it was a maturity thing. I, I liked it a lot. But I didn't have the sort of transformative experience in terms of the effects that I everyone else seems to have from my generation in that like I walked out going that was really good of course that's how you would make a movie with dinosaurs you have huge <laughs> animatronic <laughs> computer dinosaurs yeah. you know what I mean and so like I wish I had been 
three years older when I had seen when I saw it and like had the context that this was a totally unique new thing. And I, right. I, it's one of my major movie bummers ever. You had that and, and you should be happy that uh, with your maturity at that age because I was just like, uh, yeah, I mean, they're dinosaurs. That's yeah. what you do. <laughs> I mean, and I, I hate myself for that. <laughs> Always a cynic. No, I, for <laughs> me, like I, Never I the remember the marketing of that movie more than any other film. Like Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are definitely up there for me, but I anticipated that movie for – I don't know, honestly, maybe a year beforehand at nine wow. and 10 years old. I was so stoked. Like I read the book. I got all, you know, excited for what kind of, what are the dinosaurs going to look like and all this sort of thing. I was, I, I don't know that there's, there would ever be a time that I could be more excited for a film than I was for that one. You know what the only movie novelization I've, I know Jurassic Park's not a novelization. It was a book first, but you know what novelization I used to read the book for the movie because I was really excited. I, I the only one I read, I remember, I was on vacation when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because this is true. Um, remember the Shaquille O'Neal movie Steel? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, there's a novel. There's a novel version of it, and uh, oh gosh. It was the uh, book is always have, better than the movie. <laughs> <laughs> might have been one of the first like novels I read. So yeah. it explains why I went in the <laughs> studied literature in college. Um, I was uh, so pumped for Steel. Like a lot of people, Kazam is like the go-to make fun of Shaq's movie career movie, but Steel yeah. was really bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so wow. it, it was bad. I know I'm going out on a limb there. It's okay. Like, you know what? I make, I make statements on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Steel, 1995, Steel, bad movie. Yeah. yeah. Good- Email me. Kill Neil, <laughs> good actor or great actor. <laughs> <laughs> greater greatest great basketball player uh that's all i can be said okay rapper uh though decent he's kind rapper. of the uh and i i hope his it ends better for for shack he's kind of the oj of our times where he's doing product commercials way after his playing career yeah like you're like I it's don't all know icy hot though. That's that's it. He's got another one too now. I forgot what it's for, but it's like a new one. It's like why would you sign Shaq to endorse your product in 2014? I mean, nothing against him, but I mean, go get yeah. Dwight Howard. Right. Never mind. Never now mind. I no one would buy it. <laughs> <laughs> they tried, but they they would have to pay him in candy and Legos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one more thing I have to say about Jurassic Park before we move on is that yeah. on on your point, Richard, about. Of course they would do it that way. <laughs> you know, like it seems so natural at the yeah. time. There was a point in time where I didn't I didn't understand, you know, movie making, of course, when I was really young how the technology worked. I I would this wall. and this speaks to the the plot itself and everything. I actually debated in my mind like maybe they really did get DNA <laughs> from I, from I Amber and made dinosaurs and they only yeah. have a few of them but they used them for the movie. And uh, and nobody else yeah. is allowed to see him or something like that, you know. <laughs> like that's so funny, Ken. I had the exact same experience, and like I knew in my, I knew that it wasn't true because I was ten years old, so I knew yeah. that that is yeah. not what happened. It's funny because Brian's I, way older than us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would not. Um, I knew that if I said something about that to my dad, he would shut it down so hard, and so <laughs> I just like held it in my own brain for like a week afterwards of like maybe it did happen, you know. <laughs> It's so funny. Another another little tidbit about it is, you know, they're thinking, how are we going to explain the DNA sequencing to an audience? What are we going to get a little animated DNA guy <laughs> yeah. and have him up there? Here, I'm Mr. DNA. Yeah. And Spielberg's like, 
that's exactly what we're yes. gonna do, yeah. and it works perfectly. You know, the movie's we'll, a we'll great get the exam. Microsoft paperclip to yeah. explain what's happening. Exactly, that, that movie should be I uh, taught in every screenwriting class because yeah. it's a completely ridiculous uh, premise that they take uh, thirteen seconds to logically explain, <laughs> and you're totally in. You're yeah. right. I mean, you're like, got it, cool. That, that makes sense. And yep. no matter how ridiculous it is, you're in, and like. So many movies don't take the 13 seconds to just come up with some reason this could be possible. I don't care what you do. Right. Just tie it in somehow. Yes. Create and your own rules and then stay within those rules. Exactly. Quick. Yeah. Exactly. No one does that. And like every every screenwriting class in, at university should should show Jurassic Park for right. that for that reason. All right. Here we go, guys. Number two. The top two movies of all time in our According uh, to us. According to yeah. us. I will go first here. Uh, number two on my list, and this is where I cheated with the trilogies, is Star Wars. Uh, A New Hope is my number two film of all time. And uh, also hugely influential, like Jurassic Park, but uh, in a different way. Purely entertainment. It didn't really stimulate the imagination that Jurassic Park did or this scientific mind that I sort of, you know was interested in when I got to school, I really wanted to learn more about science and, uh, in the past and things like that. Thanks to Jurassic park. But this was just pure imagination for me, not to steal a line from my, uh, Willy Wonka, but, uh, it's, it's just, I mean, it's everything I wanted in a blockbuster. I saw this movie, like, I, I think I saw it on VHS at my friend's house growing up or something. It never was in theaters until the special editions came out later in my youth. But the first introduction was at a friend's house and I think Return of the Jedi was the first one that I saw, to mm-hmm. be honest. But um, but Star Wars itself has has become my favorite of the films and my number two favorite movie of all time. It's just – I could watch it every single day. It never has gotten old to me. I don't know why because it's not good. It's like not a great screenplay. It's not good effects really. Looking there's something back, magical about it. There really is something, something about it that yep. I just love that I can't – I can't convince myself that it's not fantastic. Uh, every single part, the costumes, the scale, the sets, the effects, everything is just it's it's why I love movies or, or movies like Star Wars and uh, you know, obviously it's a cop out to say it's the best movie of all time. Everyone says that. It's okay. Uh, because it might be so it's there's a reason for that, but uh, a new hope would be my number 1. My second would probably be uh, Jedi is probably my second favorite. I know that's not a popular opinion too, but hey, mm-hmm. you know what? I like to think of myself as an independent thinker, and that just <laughs> confirms it. But uh, Empire is, is of course, worthy of all the praise it has received. Uh, but I think it's just the least controversial of the three, so that's why it's um, that's why it's gotten all the praise and, and is is known to be the best Star Wars film. So number two on my list is Star Wars Episode Four, I guess, A New Hope. So Brian, number two. Yeah, I have a feeling uh, Star Wars may come up again here in a minute or two. Uh, my number two film would get my vote. Again, this is our list of favorite films. Uh, if we were to make a list of the best films of all time, which I feel thoroughly unqualified to to do, but if, if we were to do that, this film would get my vote for that for that title, the best film of all time. And it is also from 1994 and also lost out to Forrest Gump in the best picture race, which is ridiculous. Uh, number two film for me, favorite film of all time is the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, this was, I, I think I've said before on the show, but this was the first movie that 
made me think about film from a from a critical standpoint almost. I I remember watching this at a friend's house, the same friend that I watched Tombstone with on the way to camp. Uh, shout out to Kyle Chandler. Uh, we not the actor from. Oh, uh, I was gonna say a different Friday Night Lights. <laughs> yeah, by the way, best friends with Kyle Chandler. <laughs> you guys, he was good um, at Argo. Yeah, yeah. Um, I we watched this. Stri- I, I in very much the same way that I remember seeing Jurassic Park and everything about it. I remember watching this film in his house on a Friday night after we had watched Boy Meets World and everything else from the uh, TGIF lineup. And for some reason, we were playing Monopoly with his little sister. I don't know, because that's just how we rolled in 1995 or whatever. Um, It completely changed my understanding of film. It's such a triumphant experience as a film. I love it. I I don't watch it nearly as frequently as I watch any of these other films that are on this list because I so desperately don't ever want it to lose its... Uh, magic is a really strong word, but the the feeling that it gives me and the, the triumphant uh, sense of the, uh, you know the human spirit and whatnot, I don't ever want that to get old. And so, uh, man, I love this movie, and it's it is such a popular film at this point that it's hard to for to uh, remember that man, it was not popular at all when it came out. That it is kind of a, a a cult movie in the weirdest sense ever. In that the cult is everyone in the world um, yes. in 2014. When in but nobody in in 1994. So uh, I could go on and on. And one of these days we need to do a a throwback up. I think on Shawshank, but uh, Shawshank Redemption is number two for me. Sweet. It's uh, I I recently purchased the Blu-ray of it. And uh, and it's fantastic. It's gorgeous. It's, yeah, it's film technique wise, it's it's up there in my opinion. Um, more that sort of kicked off Morgan Freeman's narration career. Yeah, you know, more than anything. <laughs> yeah, um, Tim Robbins, okay. I I really enjoy. I wish he would do more stuff. Um, I understand why he doesn't, but uh, I really really like him. But it um, it's one that. I don't watch a lot for the same reasons, Brian. And um, it's one that once you know the ending, it's sort of hard to do. You can only have that experience one time, really, uh, with that movie. But yeah. it's one that I, when I watch it, I I do remember. Uh, I do remember how I felt the first time I watched it. So uh, you know, get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah, you know, it's so. uh, it's crazy that. Uh, you know, I, the reason that movie's not my top ten, I think it's a complete masterpiece. But the reason it's not in my top ten is I, along with my my aversion to the woods, I have a weird prison thing. I <laughs> I, I have always had this weird inclination that I'm going to end up in prison, and uh, and do. so I just yep. don't like things having to do with prison. Like I can't. I someone tried to show me Orange is the, is the New Black, and I mm. got like seriously depressed. Um, nothing to do with the content. I couldn't tell you if it was good or not. I just can't. I struggle rewatching or watching things with prison, so that's the reason I haven't watched Shawshank more than that. But it's it is great. It's 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 completely. You're right. It's it's such a triumph in, in every sense of the word. It is crazy to me though on, on a night where you watch Shawshank Redemption, which is one of the best films ever made, uh, that it was the second best thing you watched that that night because you you know you also watched Boy Meets World. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I mean you, I mean priorities, but uh, no, but but yeah, definitely definitely worthy and 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 that Oscar. I mean, ugh, that year, it's like both the best and worst Oscar years ever, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just One so of the many... greatest years of film ever, and Forrest Gump is what we've chosen as our, our representative for it. 
But you ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> yes, I know that. Oh, I hate that. All right, so uh, Richard, number two. <laughs> number two for me is uh, is going to be this one's pretty recent too. I think like 2007. This movie came out. Uh, I just like watched this movie over and over again with my friend Stephen. We both love this movie. Not a lot of people do. It was well reviewed, but it's I, I doubt it's in very many other people's like um, top list. And it's a movie with, I think, for my money, one of the best soundtracks of all time. Like every part of this movie is perfect. And I can't really explain why. It's just like this weird aesthetic that it has that covers all of it. And I, I really, really, I think about this movie more than I think of any other movie. And even though it's really kind of formulaic, it's kind of perfect in its way. And, and, and this is going to, this is going to be another fastball on you guys. This is a movie called Michael Clayton. Ooh. Oh, okay. And uh, I freaking love Michael Clayton. And uh, it's Clooney at his Clooneyest best. Uh, and the supporting cast is incredible. And there's just this weird sense of chaos to it. And this like underpinning uh, kind of panic underneath the kind of tone of the movie, the way it's shot and the way it feels. Once again, the music's incredible. I actually have the soundtrack. It's just, I think, a total masterpiece. And I, I, it's a movie the first time I saw it, I didn't think that. I thought it was very good. I didn't think that. I happened to watch it again. I started talking about it with my friend Steven, and we would kind of go into these weird criticism rants of it. And then we would rewatch it together and like reconvene and talk about it more. And then, like, I just found myself being completely like in love with it. And so, uh, I love, I love Michael Clayton. And, uh, and I, I, if you, if you want to have some really heavy Michael Clayton talk with me, I'm, I'm more than, more than ready to do that at any, at any time. I think it would actually be a very good, uh, throwback episode. I don't know if anyone out there would care to listen to it, but there's a lot to talk about as you rewatch that movie, especially the older you get. Yeah. It's okay. Very interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, I've only seen it the one time, Richard, that, you know, right after it came out, mm-hmm. uh, I think on DVD maybe, but, uh, and I, I was, I mean, I always think Clooney is incredible, and so I was struck by him. But I, I honestly I don't remember anything else about the movie. You should uh, watch it again and just like pay attention to the like just weird tonal qualities of it. Hmm. Okay, I will. Yeah, great. It's yeah. almost like evil in a way. It's kind of yeah. creepy in a way. Mm-hmm. If that okay. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh it might be um, Clooney's best work i mean the descendants is performance wise mm-hmm. up in the air too up in the up, air as well out of but, sight it's really good he's yeah. got, i mean yeah. it's so weird to like think about his career um he's kind of like jimmy stewart that way or like uh yeah these are his six best performances hey by the way they're all the exact same performance but they're all awesome you know like he's yeah. like just that guy for that generation i mean uh but he's he's just fantastic in this Great, but I will say the best thing about Michael Clayton is as good as Clooney is, as good as Clooney is in this movie, and he's awesome. If that movie's call, if that role is Colin Firth, it's just as good. I mean, it's a great movie. Yeah, I can't uh, can't can't argue with you there, and that's one that I did not see coming. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out what it was going to be based on your clues, and that, man, I was I was totally taken aback. So wow, great work. There. Yeah, surprising. That's what uh, that's what I love about these lists episodes so here we go guys number we know one you love lists ken no one loves lists more than ken garrison <laughs> i do like lists i know right. and uh people it's the, it's the letterman in you and uh, buzzfeed has made quite a living off lists yeah, if, if anything so lists are, are quite the quite the deal right now so here we go guys number one favorite movies of all time and i just want to note 
interesting that I I'm, now that I'm looking back at my list, not one film that I picked was released uh, after the year 2000. Wow! So, so that's pretty incredible to think that I one not one movie has come out in 15 years yeah. that I've thought is worthy of a top 10 <laughs> nomination. I'm, so. I'm right there with you, Kent. Uh, Almost Famous was 2000, and Harry Potter started in 2001. So okay, uh, I guess Lord of the Rings is 2000 started in also in 2001. So surprising also. That um, that the Dark Knight didn't make its way into I was any of our, that. our top tens. I, was I thought it would be in one of y'all's for sure. I thought it would be one of your uh, you guys. Ken, I thought it would be in yours because it's not so much that it's like this great movie. It's very good. Obviously, it's the Dark Knight's yeah. wonderful. But uh, for our age group, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? And so I was like, I was actually just about to say, and it is. It's also a small miracle that the Dark Knight didn't make its way in. But the, I didn't want to. I was worried that your number one might be the Dark Knight, and then I didn't want to like, totally step on your. Uh, no. It um it didn't even make my top ten, but it it's close. Is it it's, Green Lantern? It's uh, <laughs> a spoiler alert. It's actually Superman Returns. The, uh, <laughs> Brandon Ralph is the real yeah. Superman yeah. in my house. I yeah. saw that opening morning. <laughs> I remember being excited for that. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, I do too. I remember those were the days. So here we go. Number one on my list. It's by my favorite director. Directors of all time, um, my favorite movie of all time is number one, Fargo, uh, by the oh, Coen nice. brothers. Um, a fastball, probably on you guys, not on your top ten that I know of, and uh, masterpiece. Just everything I love about movies is Fargo. It's uh, it's if I was to make movies, it would be like this, uh, just super simple. Nothing looks like a set. No one looks like an actor. Nothing they say seems like a line. Uh, a fantastic story that I just every time I watch it, I'm I'm super enthralled into it. Even though I know what happens at the end, uh, it has the most disturbing scenes in the Coen <laughs> Brothers history, and it also has some of the funniest scenes in their <laughs> filmography as well. It's everything that I love about the tone of the Coen Brothers. It's the reason I sort of just start to like them, and uh, you know they've maintained their title as my favorite filmmakers. Since it was released, so Fargo is my number one. Just great performances, great story, fantastic movie, and yeah. worthy of a Best Picture award that it did not receive. But it uh, it's it's worthy of the TV show that it spawned, and the show itself is is fantastic as well. I mean, it it probably captures five percent of the greatness of of Fargo, the movie, and it's uh, it's still great. You know, it's it got nominated for like. 12 Emmys. So, you know, uh, if you can capture any of that glory, you're going to be pretty well off. So Fargo is my number one, just everything that I love about movies. And what, like I said, if I was to make a movie, it would be like this. Um, just, I, I don't like movies that are too much. And I, I, I say that as star Wars being my number two, but <laughs> it's, this is just an American film. You know, mm-hmm. this is it for me uh, as far as what I, my taste goes. So Fargo, is my number one. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. My, my biggest quarrel with my top 10 is I didn't have any Coen brothers in there. I also consider them probably at least in my top two or three, you know, filmmakers in the world. I think if you took a mean of my top 25 movies, the Coen brothers would have the most entries into it. Cause yeah. I think they'd have a lot of movies like 13 through 25, like maybe their entire filmography actually. Yeah. Um, I just didn't happen to have them in top 10, but you're totally right. Uh, Fargo is, 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 is so good. You're right. In, in the juxtaposition you pose there, Kent with the, with the ultra violence and the kind of like extreme, 
uh, cynicism dark humor. and yeah. dark humor, and then this kind of bright, uh, you know, juxtaposed against like Minnesota, which is you yeah. know, those people are to know, you know, I'm na- I'm named after my great grandfather Richard Barden, who was like the leading uh, uh, physician in Duluth, Minnesota. I, my family is Minnesota through and through on my father's side, um, and uh, so I know. I know a lot of these characters. I've I've been around a lot of these characters in my life. These <laughs> kind of Minnesota, North Dakota. My my grandmother is is from is from North Dakota. Um, so uh, it's uh, it's it's definitely definitely up there. I, I I don't know if it would be my top Coen Brothers film. I might have No Country or O Brother or even Lebowski above it. But I mean that's splitting hairs because they're all they're all so good. So uh, Brian, I'll let you go. No, I totally I Fargo gets better every time I watch it and so maybe in 10 years it will make my top 10, you know what I mean? It's a it's a truly fantastic film and and I I'm going to kind of play off what both of you said some of the funniest moments in that movie are also those really dark gross <laughs> moments. Like grizzly, the woodchipper is hilarious and horrible at the exact yeah. same time. Um, it's a it's a great film. Not as good as the English Patient, though. So let's uh, <laughs> let's make sure oh, we geez. give that its its due. Those uh, Fines no. Brothers. <laughs> yeah, Fargo is I. Uh, Fargo would probably be my second favorite Coen Brother movie behind Lewin Davis because I just I love Lewin Davis so much. Uh, I think No Country for Old Men is their masterpiece as far as like if I was making a best of list, but Fargo probably would be second on that list. Yeah, Richard. There, now that you've a, now is there you, a third uh, Fines brother that we could uh, <laughs> cast in a romance and go up against Interstellar this year because I think we could win an Oscar. Yeah. Seriously, Richard. Now that you've spilled the beans, I'm guessing your number one is not The Big Lebowski. It didn't even make your top ten. It did. A little surprising. It, it, it probably would be. If I had to pin it, probably around like 15. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I knew you were a fan. I just didn't know how big of a fan you were. I would put <laughs> That no depends co- on what state I'm in. No. Right. I would, put uh, no co- <laughs> I would put No Country for Old Men uh, pretty close to my top 10 as well. I love love that movie. And um, Lewin Davis was great. Uh, not, in, not, mm. not close, but uh, – I haven't like added that to their oeuvre yet. Like, yeah, for- yeah. You know, it's like Oh uh, Brother Where Art Thou is one of my favorites too. I love Raising Arizona still. I I love um True Grit too. I think that yeah. was greatness as well. But sure. uh, Cohen's are my favorite. And they are. And uh Fargo's my favorite movie. It's my if I had to pick one movie to my house burns down, I grab one thing, I'd probably <laughs> probably pick that, uh as far as movies. So number one, Brian. Mine would be my Jose Canseco autographed helm game worn helmet. Oh, nice. 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 The ball bounced off of it. Was it uh, a- A's or Rangers? It's a Rangers helmet. One-eared, major league go. style, and it's unbelievable because it does not fit on my head because <laughs> it's pre-steroids. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right, Brian. Number right. one is uh, should come as no surprise if anybody – to anyone who has listened to this podcast pretty much ever or knows me in real oh, life, I've, the oh, most oh, influential oh, film of oh, my life, still oh, my favorite – I hate that it's been bastardized and that I can't sit down and watch it anytime I want in the format that I would like to watch it in, but uh, so be it. Laserdisc. Yes, Laserdisc, exactly. Uh, My favorite movie of all time. I doubt there will ever be any movie that displaces it uh, is the the original Star Wars trilogy, which, again, I consider one film. If I had to break them up, 
into three, Return of the Jedi would probably be my favorite. And it's also mm-hmm. the worst of the three, but it's it's the one that I, uh, you know, it's I funny. All three of us feel that way. Like, I, well, you had a new hope. Can't, but yeah. you're also higher on Jedi than Empire Strikes Back. So am I. And I always thought I was the only person out there. No, I, I think Empire Strikes Back is is definitely the better film. Um, yeah, but I love Jedi. And I love Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I, I think it's – if you're in a certain age, um, that film just appeals more so than well, they uh, the win. creature. The creature does not – and they win and it's a big – yeah, all that stuff um, makes it very agreeable to anyone. I think who's under the age of like – maybe 32 33 something like that um there's there's a point at which uh you 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 can't appreciate the ewoks and so uh that's part of it but yeah the when i was a kid i could recite the first like 30 minutes of a new hope with sound effects like just the entire i mean just plug through the whole the whole movie i have i have purchased and still own a great deal of Star Wars memorabilia throughout my life. I love these films. Um, and it more than maybe more than anything else, at least pop cultural related. Um, I cannot wait to share Star Wars with my kid. Um, and, and it's like, I won't even watch, like he's, he's 16 months old that he can't, you know he doesn't pay attention to anything for longer than than 10 or 12 seconds and he can't understand what's happening he won't remember anything but like i i'm really superstitious about i will not watch anything related to star wars while he's like awake in the room because i don't want i want his first experience with star wars to be <laughs> we sit down when he's you know four or five years old and watch the movies together you watch um, the uh the non-special edition version. yeah yeah <laughs> like, i just i just don't i i don't, i know that's ridiculous i i understand my <laughs> but um it, it's a it's such a huge part of of my life um again i just i don't think i don't think there's anything there's any way that it could ever not be my favorite movie of all time and uh you say that we're, we're about a year away from episode seven yeah you have you think that has a chance of maybe being up there I'm I'm very I'm optimistic that it's going to be great, and obviously we're the official podcast of Star Wars, and so we get really excited about it. At least Kent and I do, and Richard tolerates us. But um, I love Star Wars. I, I love know, it. I know. I just like to give you because well, because you're much cooler than either of us, and you're not no, a complete total Star Wars nerd. But you know, I I but I, you you would probably be surprised that. If you added up the amount of time you guys watch Star Wars going up, and that I watched it, I, I probably wouldn't be far behind. Sure. I so, told you, I, I legitimately have to stop myself from watching it every day. Yeah. Like, it's a thought in my brain, like, I could watch Star Wars right now, and I would like <laughs> doing that, but I don't do it. And that's yeah. probably the nerdiest thing I've ever said, but, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, I enjoy watching it every single time. It's not like, oh, it's boring to me now or something, right. you know, it's, I, I find something new to like and focus on every single time I watch it. You know, like yeah. I could t- focus on the score, focus on the effects, focus on the acting, focus on the writing. You know, right. it's just, uh, it's, it, it has grown in so many ways over my lifetime. I, I, I've learned to appreciate it in so many different aspects. So it's a that's tremendous, why I like it. tremendous film. My favorite, my favorite of all time. Yeah. Richard, I think I know you're number one. It's uh, Lars von Trier's Melancholia. Yeah, <laughs> starring Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, as, uh, in one of her many fine performances. No, it's uh, <laughs> and you're gonna hate me for this, but mm. it is D three, the Mighty Ducks, <laughs> when they go back to high school and they have to face off against the varsity as JV. 
you stepped you stepped on it, man. Uh, that was it. You wow. killed it. I knew it. I know you, Richard. I know you, you know for me a while. too well. No. Yeah, I love. Uh, go ahead and uh, go ahead and talk about uh, your number one. My number one is uh, I've talked about it a lot on this podcast, yeah. and Brian and I've talked about this movie a lot. Um, I, I watched it again last week to make sure it's still my favorite. Uh, it actually randomly came up in a book I'm reading. Uh, was reading last week uh, that uh, so it came again. I just hammered it home, and it is uh, James L. Brooks's Broadcast News. Boom! Great movie. Great, great movie. Number one, uh, I, I told I texted Brian this quote because I know he also loves broadcast news. And uh, uh, James L. Brooks said the book that I was reading, he had he had rewatched it for the first time in in fifteen years or so. Came across it on cable and, and hammered through it. Uh, movie he made, and uh, he said that he finally realized what it was about. It's about three people who lost their last chance at real intimacy, mm. and that's exactly what it's about. Especially when you watch that last scene, it's got one of the best kind of epilogue posts. Yes. ambiguous scenes of all time and uh albert brooks is incredible holly hunter is like so annoying and so perfect <laughs> and william yep. hurt is is magnificent um i just it's a movie i that i have to stop myself from watching every day i also love like the news business and, and and media in general even though it's completely archaic and people are running around handing uh beta max tapes to each other and vhs tapes to each other to uh to launch stories uh i still think like the the kind of commentary that it makes on media in general is still uh has some bite to it even though it's referring to media of another day and time but uh yeah i, I love it i love it so much and uh, i've got a great criterion of it mm-hmm. and i wear i wear that bad boy out awesome uh, that's what i knew your number one would be so no surprise there our weekly recommends this week is these movies yes, uh, this will be yeah. the list i'll post on our weekly recommends hey i've got one more quick one okay. quick one uh, but throw this out there. I don't. I don't normally self promote, but someone else is involved too. Brian and I wrote a, a thing for Thought Catalog. Yeah, uh, yeah. that uh, it's about HGTV actually. Um, but if you just Google Thought Catalog HGTV, <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> a piece of comedy that Brian and I wrote will pop yeah. up, and uh, we'll put a link to it on the site. But read it and uh, comment and let us know what you think. We're gonna try to do more things like that. The three of us, not just Brian and I. I know Kent wants to do some stuff too, uh, and we might actually start posting on our own website with some original kind of written content that will be movie specific. But uh, uh, that's uh, it, that's it. That. Was a lot of fun to write. And by the way, Richard wrote like. 98% of it. I just oh, added no. stupid jokes here and there, but uh, we, we had a lot of fun writing it and, and hopefully some people will read it and, and enjoy what we wrote together. Sweet. I will, uh, I'll link that too on this, on this list. So uh, check out all our list, check out any of these movies you haven't seen. Yeah. And, uh, and they're all worthy of our top 10. So they're worthy of your time. Yeah. Sure. Send, send us your top 10 list, your, your personal top 10 list. Yeah. yeah. If, if yeah. we get any interesting ones, we might, uh, we might discuss a couple of those at some point We'd, later we on. We would love this that. Fall. This cool. is a community. It's not just yeah. three of us. We love talking to you guys. So send us, you know, the weirdest place you've listened to our show and send us your top 10 list and, and ask us questions and email the show and, and tweet us. We, we authentically like that when that happens, it happens quite a bit and we love it every time. And we, we talk about it amongst ourselves and we make terrible fun of you and it's, it's, it's a joyous <laughs> thing for us. So, yeah. so please, 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 contact us we're happy to to chat this is the longest episode of mad about movies and rightfully so episode 100 the big blowout and uh man i just want to say thanks again to the listeners for sticking around being there for us listening to our show and uh and you know being a listener that means a lot to us so brian if the listeners wanted to find you online where could they do that yeah, you can find me on Twitter at bgill 12 and you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on 
Twitter at Richard Barden. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison and find all of us on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find all of our episodes, all 100 of them, on iTunes and Keep on our website. Keep it 100. Keep it 100. Keep it 100. And uh, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Bye. Goodbye. See ya. Mm-hmm.